That is the sound of a Guinness Porter being cracked open. West Indies, Brewer's Source, 1801, St. James's Gate, Dublin. This is a wonderful, dark and beautiful ale. Toffee, chocolate, it's thick and it's beautiful. It's Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, 4.28, Sunday the 2nd of May. And I've had the children on my own for the last 48 hours, which has been beautiful and bewildering. Um, And reminds me what a wonderful mother and wife I am attached to. My children are beautiful, but man, yeah, three children all the time on your own. Trying to be active, trying to be dedicated, trying to be committed is fucking hard work, but we've pulled it off. We did it. It was great. We've had a lovely time and my wife went up to see her family. Her father's um, not been well, Uh, had a hip operation um, and some complications and he was elated to see her and she's seen some family up there. And like always, you know, when when a family takes time apart, it reminds you, I think... um, why you together so it's been a lovely day she's been home a couple of hours kids are all chilling we just watched school of rock together uh and for listeners and viewers of this podcast people who follow the podcast they know that i do music my kids are getting into it sonny being the oldest he's made his first tune and he's made his first video for that tune so he started using garage band as a bit of his unschooling teaching him how to do that uh and then that then turned into him bouncing down tracks that he's made on his own in GarageBand, and then he wanted to make a video, so I taught him how to use iMovie on a Mac, just simple, you know, drop it there, drag it there, save it in a file, create a file, a bit of housekeeping knowledge on the computer, so he's been doing that, and he did that, and, uh, you know, we got some footage on phones and and all the rest of it, and I, I had him look at, other videos that he loves like Michael Jackson at the moment and sort of find out what is it that music videos do they move quick all the frames are very quick second two seconds five seconds storylines you know what do you see what are you going to be wearing what's the feeling in the in the environment of the video the songs what do the lyrics mean to what does it look like all that stuff it's been a real that's been going on for like the last couple of well a couple of months in the way of um him actually making the music but when we've been talking about the video and got around to doing the video maybe a couple of weeks ago so watching school of rock today really brought it home for him and this is something about unschooling homeschooling just living learning uh is tying in these little moments when when the child-led learning kicks on when they decide they want to do something when they've got the bit between the teeth you know it's being present enough to recognize that hop on it for as long as they've got juice in the engine and then you know if it's 20 minutes 40 minutes two hours and it fades off don't push it leave it but then when you get a moment and you see that there's a way to tie it back in with something it's that's i find is fantastic um in the way of sort of summarizing what it was we did so school of rock today was amazing because anybody who's seen it which i'm sure is most of you you know, you've got the kids who are in the band and then you've got the kids who do the security, the manager, you've got the kids who do um, the light show and all that stuff. And so it was really, yeah, really brought it home to him. And they all went upstairs and got the guitars and brought the guitars down and then the jamming because one was on the piano, the piano's in the living room. So Sonny's telling Jesse, Jesse, just play that like that. Just play, stay there, stay on that one and I'll do this. 
Really wonderful, man. Awesome. So um, I've had a lovely day. We're back together as a family. But anyway, I hope you're all, all right. I hope you're having a lovely time. I hope the last couple of weeks of Out in the World has been good for you. I'm sure it has. Um, so sponsors, we all have an opportunity now to um, indulge ourselves. Go Deep Flotation. I just can't tell you enough about flotation therapy it is i've felt it myself actually a a bit of training in the week and i think i've done something to my hamstring i've never had a hamstring injury in my life i don't think to my knowledge and i've done something we did quite a bit of running and lifting the last couple of weeks and i felt something in my back of my left leg and i'm not sure what it is and it's giving me some stick especially if i'm knelt down like i'm kneeling down doing any kind of work i've been pulling up decking in the garden ready to build something a garden for the kids and I'm feeling this thing, man, and it's just like reminding me, boom, get on the float, get in the float. I had a float recently just before we unlocked. I got on the float, which was lovely, but it was mine more of a, a, I had a lot going on in my head. It was good to iron out a lot of that, but I can definitely feel some kind of pull, tweak or something, rip, tear, I don't know. So I need to get on the float and, and give myself and my body a bit of a break with that. But anybody who is unaware of flotation therapy, real quick, it's, approximately 10 inches of water full of salt about 800 kilos of epsom salts which are really good for you full of magnesium and it's really silky it's heated to skin temperature you pull the lid down on this really nice sleek looking bath with some audio and you drift off for an hour and you disappear you you evaporate you dissolve the boundaries of you and the world and inside your skin outside your skin all of it gone and it is amazing for the body. It's amazing for physicality. It's amazing for mental health. It's amazing for alleviation of everything, inflammation, uh, anxiety, all of it. So code word two, you can get in there. I'm going to be getting myself booked in again, as well as Cryo, our second sponsor, lincolncryolab.co.uk. Again, with my my uh, knee, my, my hamstring, I think it's hamstring, but it's affecting my knee as well, unless I've done something to both. But my left leg, yeah, is really feeling it. So I'm going to get back on the cryo as well and give myself a shock blast in the cryo because it always seems to work wonders with physical injury. Never mind, um, you know, mental um, mental tuning and sharpness and anybody who's doing a lot of cold therapy. My, my wife is uh, her stayed with her sister up in Newcastle this weekend and they live up there... Um, on the beach and they are in in Tynemouth and they're in that her sister's in the in the sea pretty much every day and so that's been lovely because my wife's in the water a lot we've got a lake behind us she's always in that cold water and so they've been doing that together and and they pointed out like there's so many people getting in the water there's so many people doing cold therapy at the moment um obviously we've all been locked down everybody's been flicking through and scrolling there's a lot of it going on people are doing it more and more there's people out there who are kind of in between that kind of you know, it's not necessarily a professional thing to just embrace getting in the cold water and to learn breathing techniques, but there is people who do it and do it well. And I see them popping up all the time. We're in, we're in talks with a, a couple of people about coming on the podcast actually to talk about it because this phenomenon is amazing to see people getting in the cold water. We, If you don't know about the power of cold water, you know, especially as I always point out during this last year when we're so health conscious apparently um you know if you understand what cold a cold shower like the last finishing your shower every day with just a 
a 30, 40 second, one minute blast of cold water. If you start doing that every day, you look, you read about what that can do for your immune system, for your metabolism, for your hair, for your skin, for your, the collagen, every, just everything in your body is, it's amazing. Um, your blood, everything, organs, it's just something else. So cryo is bang on that tip. So if you are interested, Google linkandcryolab.co.uk have a look have a a learn and um, see what you come up with code word chew you can get 10% off so thank you to those guys I also want to take the opportunity uh, all our videos we always link to UK Column and I've talked about UK Column there's a couple of clips from various podcasts that are out there on on our YouTube uh, page and uh, and within these podcasts that you listen to when I refer to UK Column uh, and a handful of other independent news sources. Um, UK Column have been removed from YouTube now. So I was amazed they lasted as long as they did. Uh, the only reasons that I can muster, and I tried to work out guidelines and all this stuff that you're supposed to know when you're using YouTube. They send you like a 28-page fucking updated thing every three weeks about guidelines, and it's a lot of talk that doesn't really tell you anything. It's all very kind of ambivalent and, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. But what I do know about UK Column is, is what they do is they only take published news, namely from the government's website itself, the government's statistics, the government's um, published documents, mainstream media, and they take those documents, those headlines, those flash kind of stories, and they unpick them and they um, they go in much, much, much deeper and they start to connect the dots about who's involved with this and where this came from, the origins of this, where this might have been mirrored in the past, what is the pattern, why is this story being put to the fore at the moment, etc., etc., etc. And I think that's why they've gotten away with it for so long. And I say gotten away with it because I'm caught in the fucking, the same world. It's like, you're getting away with just talking. It's just insane. But anyway, they got the pull. They finally got the pull. Um, I think they had a whistleblower from the NHS on the show who was talking about basically the, the corrupt nature of what's happening within the NHS and how people aren't being treated and the hospital isn't busy in this particular place and adverse vaccine reactions that aren't being talked about. And just to sidetrack slightly, I'd like to interject on myself here because... I post um, on on the the Tudor Chat page, I often will repost um, stuff with regards to the masks and vaccines, and I'd like to clear this up for anybody um, who who might be concerned. It's it's what what I'm scared of, what what scares me the most about what's happening now is this conversation is supposed to be an open conversation. We're supposed to be working out what is the best thing to do for us and censorship on talking about what is good and what is not good and what we should or shouldn't do has been eradicated. And that is insane. Forget whether you're talking about a mask or a vaccine. You could be talking about anything. You know, we could be talking about anything. The fact that one side of a conversation has absolutely been eradicated is insane. So I'm often sort of posting things just to, um, you know, remind myself, you know, that I am still um, 
with my right mind and I'm not being sucked up into the vortex and spat out the other side of somebody else's mind. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we saw with UK column being removed and, and it's the same old guideline. They give you a vague, you've been removed from something in that episode. You ask what it is. They won't tell you. There's an hour and 10 minutes of, of um, content. How do you, you know what? So then they get, back on the, the next show they do the week or whatever it was and it's two week ban because they, they ban them again immediately so it, yeah they're going to be gone and as I've said many many times I think we're going to find ourselves for those of us who want to seek out something that isn't coming directly from the corporate web and you want to actually verify um, some of this information by cross-referencing it with people who don't have an agenda necessarily or a paid um, a paid lip service then it's going to be more and more difficult for you and you're going to have to go to websites so i'm going to make it um part of my duty now to just give the uk column www.ukcolumn.org a shout they're always linked in as i mentioned they're always linked in we link them in on all the descriptions of everything we do i talk about them whenever it comes up um but there is people um that i know because i've seen conversations in comment sections um that are concerned and need the sanity of some something to balance out the incessant corporate narrative, um, corporate funded, government funded narrative. So um, yeah, head over to the ukcolumn.org. They publish their shows every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at one, one o'clock live. And they are there thereafter. They've got a fantastic website, super, super um, informative across the board. They cover Europe, they cover everything. And they, they're just, I mean, when you start watching an episode, you kind of reminded like, oh yeah, this is what the news used to be like. You know, like there was a critical eye on things. It wasn't just acquiesce with the big pay packet of corporate narrative. It was, you know, like you, for, you forget that. Like this is why I mentioned I'm posting every now and again, you know, things through the stories on, on to the chart, Instagram and stuff, which is the only place I do post because I need to remind myself that this is still happening. You know, this is still a possibility. This information is still there. Well, so when you, when you find yourself watching a UK column, you, you, you're really quite amazed, you know, and they're not all wearing makeup and, been picked for the job because they've got fucking you know asymmetry in their bone structure you know it's just real people just talking about the real issues without conning you <laughs> which is just a bizarre refreshing thing these days so yeah head over there ukcolumn.org and um yeah you will you might reshape your world in fact if you do so um what else have we got? What are we in? We're 40 minutes in. I'm going to button it. I'll talk to you again at the end. Um, I'd just like to say a huge shout to Ash Nugent. Last week's episode, I've had just so many lovely positive comments. Um, Ash is, as I mentioned beforehand, I thought you'd like him. He was articulate. He's, he's creative. He's got that um, He's got that aura. Just a, yeah, a real, a real smart guy doing a really wonderful thing now and bringing awareness and self-awareness to people. It's fantastic to see. And um, I can't wait to do something with Ash again in the future. He does music. He does martial arts. There's loads that we didn't get stuck into on a personal level with him. So um, we'll do that again. And thank you for everybody uh, for the messages that you've sent in. That means the world. Um, but this week we go in with Steve Chrome. So Steve is the other half of Andrenochrome, which is the uh, electronic duo 
that I'm in with him. Um, we cover it all in the podcast, so I will leave it with you. We had a few drinks. It was a good, fun one. It's a long one, three hours. Steve's um, is a thoughtful and intelligent lad, super talented, and um, yeah, it was nice to drink and just talk, um, talk music, talk the origins of our music, his music, his journey in music from writing songs through guitar to producing, teaching himself at college. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real cool one. So um, I hope you enjoy this. Music-wise, we're going to play in with something quite fitting. Steve Steve started his, started getting out there, putting on parties in the woods in like the late 80s, early 90s, doing smokescreen kind of free parties in the woods when everybody just lived for it. Um, yeah. I'm going to play Papua New Guinea by the Future Sound of London. So, without further ado, this is episode number 61 of the Chew the Chat podcast with Steve Crome.
seeing because what are we on now we're on 50 this 50 i think we're on 55 episodes something like that is that many done 55 <coughs> and we were only on like it was the end of january when this started last year yeah very end of january last year <coughs> yeah. um about the same time that the whispers came in about the mm. inevitable year we've had mm, mm. which didn't seem inevitable at the time it just you know so it's we're kind of we are we are kind of a pandemic podcast yeah we've kind of chronicled it so like yeah. week to week you go back and like talking to everybody and all the different stages as you mentioned a minute ago you know like oh this announcement oh it's going to be you know two weeks and and then whoa hang on yeah everybody's reactions are different yeah it sort of feels in some ways that we haven't really changed on we've been stuck in on on uh, almost a a loop of a, of a year that's just continually gone round and round and and i don't think anyone would have conceived this time i mean it's a year today isn't it when this because it's my birthday on thursday and it was a year today it all kicked off in terms of you know policy mm. um and it's just it still feels like well we're still in the same scenario and you would never have you would never have envisaged a year ago that you would still be in this place because it was supposed to be three weeks six weeks you know squash a sombrero you know all, all kind of all that sort of <laughs> boris language and everyone's sort of bought into it and thought yeah all right i'll do it for three or four weeks it's yeah. it's not going to kill me um and you know at the time i guess there was a lot of uncertainty and maybe naivety around what was in store what the virus was about whether it was um you know exaggerated whether it was real do you know what i mean so people just thought yeah okay we'll give it a try it's an experiment almost really isn't it but yeah. to think to fathom that in your head you know to say just to, to have said to yourself a year ago yeah i can do this for a year no way no one would have ever done it it would never have happened would it, it, it there would have been there must there would have probably been disruption of some po- at some point much mm. much earlier than we're starting to see a little bit of now across you know the uk and and europe have been doing it for a while mm. but it, it's kind of like they had to do it that way in order to sort of nudge people into well, it's called that the, the, act, yeah. the actual yeah. behavioral insights <laughs> nudge booklet, unit, I think. Yeah, yeah the nudge unit yeah mm. or the green nudge little green nudge mm. yeah it's um a year and it's gone so quickly as well this year for me yeah, anyway it seems to have happened so Why quickly is that, do you think I, I can only think because it's just been so surreal so out of the ordinary you know mm. like so otherworldly i i honestly think there's times when i felt like fucking hell i'm a fan of black mirror you know <clears throat> dystopia and yeah and like you know impending technology and what does the future look like and always you know charlie brooke has always seemed to be pretty close as you look back across the the seasons of black mirror you know mm, he's always mm. in that kind of in that thin layer just just in front and yeah. um there's times when i thought fucking hell this is like i mean i just put a little video out the other week there's a clip in uh, last week's podcast with with jane martin yes well, she's my name she was my neighbor do you know that that's you right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah for a while i yeah. think she still owns a house i'm not sure um that i find that fascinating because yeah. we never we, we were sort of um she came uh, not for that long she'd been out i know she only she'd been in asia for a while and <clears throat> um uh when they moved 
we we sort of exchanged pleasantries as you do as neighbours, mm. and there was there was minimal. There was sort of you know the friendly as you used com- to do, Steve. You don't yeah, anymore. As you used no, to do back no, in, back just in got the, a mask on him. Get away. <laughs> When you used to talk to people and shake hands <laughs> and, and kiss them on the cheek, well, not we didn't go that far, but you know, it was it was kind of like that low level conversation you have with your neighbour. Yeah, and, yeah. And you, you know, when you when when I saw her on the show, I I thought, well, that's that's fascinating because yeah. you know, it, in some ways, it may be a product of our time that we don't sort of. I, I think community and and, and neighbourhoods maybe don't connect as well as much as they used to and mm. may, whether that's a technological thing or a, um anthropological thing or whatever i don't know it's just i'm not going to think about that too much or go down that rabbit hole but i just you know we don't sort of share we don't share and mm. and sort of uh, just just do we almost just do the tick in the box now you know of, of mm. hello morning mm. yeah how's it going same old question Are you all right yeah yeah and, it, and it's the day goes on and, and, and to, to to hear people's life stories and how they've completely shifted from you know one sort of um, career to another and they've gone down this kind of different totally different route through through personal experience. I just found that fascinating. Really, mm. I just think well, you, you really don't know people until you crack mm. the tin open and, mm. and spend a bit of time with them, maybe mm. over a beer like we are. Yeah, um, yeah. Cheers. I'm going to introduce you at this point. Thank you. I'm going to call you Mr. S- Mr. Steve Chrome. <laughs> One one half of Andrenochrome, which we're going to get into. Yes. Down the middle yeah. camera. That is, people who follow the podcast, who've watched the podcast, heard the podcast, I've played Andrenochrome songs. They know who you are by uh, third person, Steve. Um, we've got a history of making music together, yeah. trying to express all this madness through our creativity, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure um, to be here. Thanks for inviting me. No, not at all, man. Um, I've wanted to do this for a while. Um, we've had a we've had a a fun old time with Andrenochrome. Yes. How long has it been, Steve? How did I tell you what? Yeah, you give us because Andrenochrome's your baby. You 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 kind of brought me in on Andrenochrome. You've been for listeners and viewers. You've been making music and. Of all sorts and guises, from a DJ through guitar, traditional crafting songs, um, digital music, analog music, moogs—you mm. name it. You play it, you express it, you write it. Um, and when Andrenochrome came along, uh, you thought about me to just do some <coughs> some singing, and I got involved. And um, yeah, give us a bit of a back a back a backstory on your musical career. How did you arrive at it? Um, yeah, that's a, that, it's hard to know when it first came around. I think it's, for me, uh, music's always been a part of me. You know, it's always been my life. It's just from, from a kid listening to music. I've always been a music fan, I guess. And if, you, you know, if you're a music fan, um, you sort of may end up going into music, of, uh, especially if you start playing an instrument. The, the, you know, the two worlds will eventually probably collide at some point um i was i always had music in my life my parents played it all the time some of my wider family were um in bands um used to come around to my house my dad's house play instruments it was kind of the currency of the family really it it sort of just was there and i never thought never thought much about it and um 
I think it was my dad who called, kind of got me into playing an instrument. He played guitar. He wasn't, you know, technically brilliant, but he learned to play himself. <coughs> and I listened to him as a kid growing up. Um, and, and my godfather used to come around, and they used to play sort of very sort of folk um, American songbook together. And I think well, that, that sounds fantastic. I want to, I want a bit of that. Really, I think. Mm. Um, so it sort of went down that direction. Really, my, my dad got me a guitar. I, well, he actually had a spare one, so I sort of banged around with that for a while. I was getting nowhere. Um, <laughs> we all know that feeling. Well, yeah, it, it was frustrating because well, the thing is, I was trying to learn left-handed because I'm a left hooker and. He said, I can't teach you because everything's upside down, yeah. you know. And there's only a few, you know, Hendrix was, was left-handed, he did all right, but there was no way I was going there. So <laughs> I ended up smashing the guitar in frustration. I just lost it. Now, that was, I think I was about 12, 12, 13, maybe when that happened. And then a couple of years later, I thought, no, I'll give it another crack. And, um, and then it, I switched over and started to play right-handed. Found it just naturally more um just not just easier for me you know because you could watch other people play and you knew exactly where they were on the fretboard you could start pick out chords that was when i was about 14 and so i ended up going into more around that time i was into i listened to anything i, I wouldn't say anything was off limits um i've never really sort of gone into trend i but i, I sort of moved that was when i was about 15 16 and then back into the 80s I was hearing a lot of electronic music around that time. It was mm. kind of coming mainstream, you know. Um, I'm not going to sort of cite many influences mainly, but I do remember a, a real close schoolmate of mine, um, Cobby, who who's a really he was quite quite diverse in his taste for his, you know, for a guy you would never an assuming guy really, you know, never sort of. Proclaimed to be, you know, a, a, a sort of musical um, Svengali. He just had a good taste in music. He came round one day to my house um, with a pile of New Order records. It was about this big, and he just said, "You might like these. Give, you know, give this band a try." And <clears throat> I thought, okay, I'll give it, give it a spin. And I just slowly spent some time with it, um, and I just found myself thinking, "Yeah, I like this. It's." The, the main thing that comes over to me is I'm getting lost in all this electronic mm. um, sort of lands. I know it sounds pretentious, but I didn't really listen to Barney Summers. I was listening to what was going on in the background with all the sort of sequencing and synths. I didn't even know what they were. The then, layers. The, the layers all starts to melt, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I just found it really, um, it just took me to somewhere completely different, mm. took me away, sort of an out-of-body experience, I suppose. Mm. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. New order, uh, new order sort of sound, and I, I kind of le leaped from that into other electronic-y things, um, but never really sort of said I was into electronic music, I don't know what it was. It was just there amongst other stuff I was listening to. So, um, And then I think, I guess, along, you know, the like late 80s, turn of the century to 90s, um, I started really listening to... Uh, Jeff Young's Big Beat on Friday night, which is pre 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 Pete Tong, right? Um, okay, and he was he was kind of like playing. Um, it was like that. I don't even know what they called it then. It was it wasn't. It was like Acid House, and it was he was playing that, but he was also playing a lot of um, sort of 
funk and, and, and hip-hop from the 80s, you know, and it was smashing it all together. Um, and I sort of cottoned onto it, but he, then he started changing it and, and it started to become more Balearic house and, and stuff they were playing out in, in Ibiza and at, at these kind of uh, free big raves, uh, you know, out in the sort of suburbs of London. And um, I thought, yeah, this, this is... This is I never heard anything like this before. Mm. Um, and I, I did go to Ibiza in '89. Um, I was totally oblivious to that scene, and, and it was just starting to. You could see there was like S Paradise w- was there, and we went there, but it was it wasn't playing. It's nothing like it is now. Mm. They were just starting to play like Little Louis, French Kiss, and <clears throat> um, sort of. But there was sort of more charty, mainstream um, electronic music house alongside. Happy Mondays, Stone Roses, you know, it was all smashed together. Mm. So it was all sort of one scene, really. There was no sort of rave scene, indie scene. It was all kind of a big synergy of, of everything, you know. Um, and it was exciting. I just remember being really, really, uh, really excited by it. I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. It just felt like a little bit of a revolution mm. you know well it was when it from it from like here a, we can look back and see clearly it was wasn't well, yeah, it I guess, you know? yeah at the time it, it one it of the biggest looking back yeah, yeah yeah one of the biggest musical revolutions since the 60s really when you think about it you know yeah I, yeah i would agree with electronic that, music coming in whether you love it or hate it you know as an impact as a movement i mean it's enormous yeah enormous. yeah yeah and i think then it wasn't even classed as anything it was just um a different you know, thing. It was just a different thing. It was keyboards. There's keyboards everywhere. Yeah, it was just kind of house music or, mm-hmm. or um, beat music. Beat music, whatever anyone sort of decided to call it on the day. Really, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So over the sort of early nineties, uh, the guitar went into the cupboard. <laughs> and How, could you get around the guitar at this point then? Yeah, I was. I was doing all right. I mean, I, I'd had lessons. I didn't stick at them. I thought, I just need to learn what I want to learn and then I'll do my own thing. Did you yeah. learn theory then? Did you learn enough to know? I'm musically dyslexic. I could not get theory into my head. That what, my to problem. this day, Steve? No, I couldn't. I just, I don't know why it won't go in. There's certain things I can I can grasp, but I just, it was like I was rejecting it all the time. I don't know what that's about, but I just See, I gave up on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a I've, waste of time. I'm trying now, during this time where we've had a lot of time, I've always thought, you know what, I need to just, if I can learn the basics about like scale or what notes are in a scale, mm. if I can learn where I need to be on a guitar, probably like you, that's enough, that's all I need. And then from there I can go off. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying at the moment to do that, but yeah, it's tricky. <clears throat> it's really it tricky. It's just like another language entirely to me. It, it is another language. It's a, it's, a, it's a musical language, obviously, but um, I couldn't speak it. I could only feel it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think in a way, I, I was a, <laughs> I think I've learned that I'm quite a stubborn bastard sometimes. <laughs> and to me, music, music theory was too academic for me. I thought that's, that's, okay. that's for the boys in, in you know, mm. tuxedos, mm. playing on, on the big, um, you know, the symphony orchestras. Yeah. Too pretentious for me. Sorry, I'm not having that. Right. I'm going to learn my own. Steve theory and yeah, I like yeah, it. This is I like this, is, it, yeah. this is a young lad talking, not me now. But, right. You know, this is this is kind of like I'm doing my own thing. I, uh, you know, if it's a chord, if it's a G nine major, um, whatever added ninth, 
I don't really give a shit. It, it's how it sounds to me, and yep. and, and that's what counts. Mm-hmm. And and whether I'm trapping it right doesn't matter. It's it's it's, it's my sort of personal expression of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a little bit naive, maybe now looking back on it. I wish I had sort of thought, no, that's a stupid idea. Just go and learn theory. Well, the, but is it but, not then? So just to interject, because I've got um, this thing happening at the minute where I'm trying to tell myself right. I want to learn a bit of theory. I want to. I want to at least have like a basic map. Mm. And this, I'm talking about being on the guitar here predominantly, because I'm at a point where the little bits that I do know across the years of teaching myself and picking up chords and putting tunes together and melodies and picking out melodies, I've kind of exhausted every every thing. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I, if I write any more songs with the same six chords that I've used for twenty fucking years, <laughs> I'll go yeah. mad and never know anyone else. So I'm kind yeah. of at the point now is like, oh right, well if I just knew like to be able to change that scale or down tune that into something and make that or there's this shape or there's that shape. Mm. But mm. then a friend of mine said to me, you know, like what you've got is really cool because what you're doing is like, like as what you're saying, it's through feel, it's through mm. it's through raw expression and you're finding things that maybe the guy, like you say, in the talks <clears> who's, <throat> who's classically trained would never go there because it's not correct yeah. to go there. So then you're quite limited. So it's just like somewhere in the, if you've got enough knowledge to know the map and then you're free enough to just go wherever you want, that's probably a good a good balance. I think... There's, there's uh, a lot of merit in that, uh, and I think it's a personal, um, it's a personal journey and experience, right? Mm. You may come to a road, you will come to a roadblock with any instrument. Well, in life, you when you're learning, <clears throat> you'll get to a level, and suddenly you hit a wall, and you think, right, where do I go now? Either I put this instrument down, and never touch it again, because I've I've taken it as far as I can take it, or you you know you challenge yourself to move past that wall, and that might be where you you know you decide to consider taking some theory on but it doesn't have to be grade eight mm, yeah you know, exactly. you're going with the basics and, and yeah i i, I kind of know my scales and i know the some of the you know the, the the theory theoretical stuff and modes and but i've never i've never sat down and thought right i'm going to go into <laughs> frigian mode and <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't compute that way for me it's always been what what do i feel like playing today yeah um whereas for a lot of people I've spoken to who've come from it from a completely different perspective, they've come from the theory perspective, they are going to go, right, today we're going to do, I'm going to sit and write something in a, in a minor seventh and it's going to contain mm. uh, pens, you know. It, it, yeah. it comes from a technical yeah. perspective yeah. And, and that's how they approach it. And, mm. and they may knock something out that is absolutely amazing. Um I don't know whether everyone's anyone. There's no way of comparing the two sort of outcomes. Whether you know a, better, a person who's done theory can write a better melody than a person who's just feeling it. Mm. I think that would be interesting to. So, is there, was there a point for you then? This is my this is my own kind of. Um, I'm being intrigued here. Is there a point when you're jamming, where you're kind of confident enough on your guitar at this point, and you you're, you're playing and and. You know, when you get into a jam situation where you go in a room and someone's like, oh, yeah, and they just start jamming, were you able to just drop on something? Could you work out, right, they're in A or they're in C or they're in whatever, and you could drop on and play and get involved? Because yeah. I cannot do that. Yes. I've got no idea. Yes, I, I, I can, and I, I think that's probably the... So would you have taught yourself, Steve? Would, it was, would you get to a point where you go, oh, I really like what I'm doing here. These three chords are great, but there's another chord and I don't know what it is. I'm going to 
work a chord out or I'm going to have to learn this platonic whatever it is or was it kind of like that for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you know, when you... So I did, you know, when I I went to a music... I went on a music course for, for two years, three, two and a half, no, three years, I think. And I studied guitar for um, for two of those years. And let's be honest, you know, when I went in there and when I came out, I was a, I was a, I was a different, it was night and day in terms of my ability and capability and technical um, skill on the guitar, you know. So I came in with quite a, a limited um, skill set of and tool set, really, on the guitar. It's a crude way of putting it, but... I knew where I knew where I could operate in comfortably, but after the two years, I was on another level, really. Right. You know, um, and even then, when I thought I was doing all right, you know, I thought I was good then in terms of my own ability, not comparing myself to anybody else, but my own my own sort of progression. Mm. Um, I still had a shitload to learn, you know, and mm. and 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 that just comes through. I mean, these days you can watch videos on YouTube, right? You know, you can you can pretty much choose any style or song and you'll find someone who will teach you to play it and it's amazing. Um, that, that is game-changing, really, for anyone wanting to play mm. <clears throat> and learn quickly, I guess, you know, as, as well. But um, in answer to your question, yes, you'll always come come up against that where you're, you know, you, you're sort of three chords away from probably a, a four chord song you don't know what that fourth chord is you know and then you have to go away and think about it or find it and learn a bit more you mm, know mm, um mm. and then you might come back with maybe five 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 or six more chords in your armory yes um and then over time you, you first of all you want to use them all in a song because you just can't wait to get them out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes. Um, but then, then you realise you've got to rein it back in again and, and just think, OK, I'll, I'll put those in my back pocket for another yeah, song yeah. or another time because it's not fitting in with this current mm. Mm. context. So, you know, you, it's push and pull. Um, mm. And and it's it's a journey, you know, any, any, any one learning instrument will, will testify to that. And the frustration know. and the, for me anyway, the frustration and the kind of breakthrough moments and the joy. yeah. yeah. I kind of always, you know, but the joy obviously must prevail because you keep doing it and you keep going and you get better and you yeah. learn more. And I think in the end you start learning that space, there's as much space that's important than yes. there is, like you say, cramming all those chords mm. in or whatever. Or Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So when you're getting into the, the, the electronic music, it's when electronic music is really starting to sort of birth itself into the, to the main culture, yeah. to young people's culture, into the nightclubs, into the into the high streets and stuff. And that must have been exciting. Mm. And I know that you have a history of, you know, DJing and putting mm. parties on and getting out into the woods and stuff mm. like that. So that must have been exciting. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was the elixir of life for me for, for probably um, from, I'd say, late 90 to 95, 6 was when it was really every weekend for me um um living living for it really you know everything else was just kind of um a barrier to the weekend you know the the day job and everything like that i just i just became completely obsessed with with that scene and and not from a 
um, I want to be a DJ hero perspective, anything like that. It wasn't why I ended up, I fell into DJing because a couple of my mates were doing it and I wanted to learn what it was all about. And I liked the idea of mixing two records to, to make three or to make something that is almost like composing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just found that quite interesting. And, and so that process of, of, of learning that was almost like perfecting another instrument, I suppose, you know, from my, you know, my own personal sort of perspective. Um, and yeah, you know, then it became a case of, uh, I became an avid <laughs> record collector. I was going all over the country, hunting down, you know, promos and, and tracks that nobody else had. It, it was almost a case of, if you're going to do a DJ, you're going to have to have your own sound and you need to be unique. And, and that's, this is all the stuff going on in my head because I overthink everything. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit OCD on these things. So, you know, you've, you've got to have your own sound. You've got to, you know, and you've got to build it up from a, a, you know, a very slow sort of vibe. And, you know, and, and as the night progresses, you're building it up and uh, as a, into a crescendo, you know, it's yeah. like composing an orchestra. Yeah. <clears throat> so I used to, you know, buy different types of music for different sorts of um, events, for, for no, different nights and, and when I was playing and, and where we were playing as well, you know, depending where, whether it was indoors or outdoors. Or, um, but, yeah, we, we, we threw quite a few um, free parties, um, uh, somewhere around Lincolnshire, then it sort of moved out to Cambridge, uh, Sheffield Way. Uh, we did a few in London, one on a boat. Um, awesome. And it, it, was, it was just fantastic times, really. Um, it just I think the key thing I take away from that was it's probably the freest you could ever, I could have ever been, um, just yeah. by the fact that from week to week you kind of, you knew you were going somewhere, but it wasn't that um, orchestrated and project managed. You know, you you know, you just had to be somewhere and you'd mm. just throw a rig together. People would turn up. There were no mobile, no mobile phones. There was no. Uh, it was all word of mouth, and, and it, it just felt like it was something new, something um, that nobody else was doing, or a minority, of, you know, an outlier group of people were doing. Yeah, yeah. It felt sort of sacred and. Um, sort of um, uncorrupted and and not for money and you that, know that there you know as you're explaining that as you're kind of painting that picture it took me back just to the, a moment ago when we were talking about talking to your neighbour and can you remember when we shook hands and smiled at each other and we weren't kind of evading everybody's potential death threat made me think then about the parallels between the way we consume music now you just talked a lot there about <clears throat> collecting records mm. you know your mm. friend came round with the new order pile and said hey man you know mm. listen to these spent and you'd have laid on your bed and opened them up and been reading the sleeves and been wandering and painting pictures in your mind about who did this and who played on that yeah. wow and taking the record off clean the record put it back this physical relationship this meaningful relationship and then as you go on to talk about you know Travelling the country to find music and eventually putting nights on and congregating with people. No mobile phones, no crazy agenda to make a million, to be the on the front of Mix Mag, yeah. just to get to, to a little space in the woods or wherever it may be, an old warehouse. Put that rig in there. Is it a good rig? Is it going to sound good? Yes. Mm. And mm. that smiling mm. faces mm. who were there because they, they sought out that music in that community. Mm. So as we sit here today, are we old fogies? who just don't get it where it's at is change inevitable are we missing something is that kind of union still happening 
our kids finding music in a way that is meaningful, that requires some kind of pilgrimage, some kind of commitment. And if they are, that's fucking amazing. I'd like someone to send me some links and some videos of people doing this stuff. And if not, what are we losing? What are we losing as a, as a, as especially for young people? Like you mentioned something quite beautiful. You know, that you can't imagine a time where you were freer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that, those are quite loaded questions. That I, I don't know if I can answer really because um, I've tried to observe what my my eldest stepdaughter does and and, and tap into. Um, what that generation are, how how they're consuming music. Consuming sounds such a corporate it's, it's term. Just, yes, driven but, into know, us, isn't it? Yeah, but um, and uh, you know, I mean, their their musical taste is as diverse as you like. One minute it's Abba, the next thing it's Kate Bush, the next thing it's you know, um, Skrillex. Yeah, mm. it's all over the shop, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, well, respect, you know, there's there's no barriers there at all. Uh, to entry it's just whatever's you know going on on their spotify playlist and whether they they want to listen to it or not so it's, it's it's much more i don't know whether it's as considered where they're going out on the hunt like you've just said and 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 that pilgrimage um elements of it maybe maybe it is for some and i don't you'd have to sample some some teenage you know that, that mm. generation to see how what they what their thinking is around this but I would say that there has to be some because people still buy vinyl and, it's, and there's a lot of people who buy it are, are in this sort of younger generation yeah. um, in that kind of 18 to, to 30 age group. So someone's buying it and someone's listening to, to music that's, you know, kind of been probably at the pinnacle of popular music and, um, and those album sales are exponentially in, uh, growing as well in, in terms of revenue for, for labels. Mm. Um you know the big, the big sort of icons like Bowie, and I'm not going to reel them all off, but you know where I'm going yes, with that. So, and and so I think the discovery thing's still there. They're just maybe coming into it from a different medium, and and whether they decide to branch off and go down the the vinyl rabbit hole or, um, well CDs, but I don't I don't think anyone really bothers with that so much. Mm-hmm. The vinyl thing is is kind of the vintage, yeah, champagne, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's still there. I still do think it's there. Maybe that's just me being optimistic or maybe portraying my thoughts on, on mm. something I don't have that much mm. um, knowledge of. But it has to be right because there's music coming through from, from young bands, young guys who are listening to it. That, that, you know, you can hear this in them, in, yeah. their, in, their, yeah, yeah, that's right, in yeah. their songs yeah. and in their, um, in their output. You know, think about... Uh, working men's club, you know who we yeah, saw. You know, yeah, brilliant. Fab band. Yeah. What, what does that sound like to me? It, it's a kind of it's, it's going back to to New Order. And, I was going to say and, New Order and uh, Joy Division, and it's not far yeah, away, is it? Yeah, yeah. And Marky e. Smith, and that's all that sort of regurgitated, but in in a different way as well. You know, so mm. I still think it's there. I still think it's it's probably not as well. Maybe it's more. I don't know. <clears throat> I think there's more music out there to listen to. Yeah, that's for sure. It's free. Well, not free, but not far off. Um, so there's more um, content to plough 
but it's just finding it all, I guess. But then mm. there's a lot more capability to share music around and I playlists just, yeah. and stuff like that. So. It's the romancer in me. I just, similarly to you, you now I've got a stepdaughter who's, well, she's no longer a kid. She's 21 this year. You know, and I've heard myself across the time, you know, whatever the local pop thing is or whatever, and I've heard myself, what's this shite? You <laughs> oh, know, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Reverse back yeah, to like, yeah. oh, my God, that happened to me. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, right, step back, step back. Right, this could be yeah. the new Kurt Cobain, this. Mm, or this could mm. be, you know, whatever. And then I look again and I think, well, hang on a minute, okay, let's put the artist to the side. Let's look at the infrastructure. Surround, you know, what is this? Oh, well, it's... You know, it's Polydor and it's, yeah, you know, yeah. choreographed and it's, you know, yeah. so there's a lot of that. Yeah. But uh, let's not get bogged down too much there. But I do wonder, I hope the romance isn't dead. And I definitely think you're right with the vinyl. You know, a lot of my friends have been picking up vinyl vinyl record players again and collecting mm. records again. And I've been in, uh, for us, Jim's, Jim Sonic mm-hmm. Sounds. Mm-hmm. I've been in there a handful of times in this last year mm-hmm. uh, when it's been available to get in there. And it's been, it's been nice, actually. It has been nice. I hope that, yeah. that that romance doesn't die or isn't dead, for sure. I certainly do. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, who knows, right? Who knows? I mean, mm. we don't know what tomorrow brings, but I, I was pleased. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jim there. I mean, I used to go into Jim's going back 20 years, I think. Um, he used to help me out a lot, actually. He, Amazing guy. I'd go in there and spend probably a day in there sometimes, just trawling through. Well, here we go again. I'll interject again because that part of the community that you would be in there and talking to, you know, you might be thumbing through some records and you might say to Jim, oh, was this 1963? Mm. And someone will turn around and give you like, oh, did you know Mm. that so-and-so played on that and they recorded it and there's this thing and you would be in there all day and you'd be... Yeah, yeah. It was a community community thing. It it um, It was kind of like, a relationship building thing, you know, and he'd know what I'd like. Um, he introduced me. To, I mean, he got me into, you know, like Uncle and, and, mm. and oh, bands wow. like Royksop. And, and he used to have these promos that would come in and nobody else would would, would really want to listen to them. So he'd say, oh, you know, here you go, Rabs. Just have, 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 a, have that, mate. And I said, well, how much do you want? Oh, sort me out some other time. You know, don't worry about it. And, Come on, Jim. Powerful Jim. Big shout to Jim. Sonic. Sonic. Jim Sonic. Yeah. Love you. Um mm. So, you know, uh, many, many times, and, and, you know, his shop when disappeared, then came back. <clears throat> and that's that was a sort of uh, a reflection, I guess, of, of of how things have sort of gone wound back a little bit. But it's it's quality now, you know, and it's it's kind of the, the people who are really doing it believe it and, and they're, they're mm. authentic. It's, it's sort of sorted the wheat from the chaff. Oh, I like you know. that. Oh, I like that way of looking at it. Yeah, that's... that's like the high street, isn't it? You know, all the... All the sort of main, all, all the sort of monolithic, monochrome shops are all sort of, you know, all starting to die now. The big beasts, like, you know, mm. um, what might replace that is more sort of bespoke, tailored, authentic businesses, you know, that are selling quality craft. Independent. Um, independent. And, yeah, of their own mind. That's kind of why I pick pick this out, because there's so many parallels for me with the way technology's kind of taking hold, because we like to innovate and make things easy which is great Mm. and i just wonder across whether we're talking about music or your neighbor or whatever it may be schooling sort of more we come away from something physical that requires us to get off our arse and do something and commit to something i don't know how much we lose in or if we're losing or if we're just changing we're probably just changing 
Mm. I don't know. Evolutionary, I guess. And yeah, you you're right to call that out. Um, I think it's probably goes with the territory of getting older and seeing a, a something that you've had part of your life that's been so held close and so kind of authentic to you be replaced by something that's not quite what you thought it would be maybe yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's got to be you're kind of it. almost um grieving that to a degree yeah. i think yeah and, and i certainly i certainly do but then I, I try and snap back into come on be optimistic it's it's just like my dad telling me, "What's that jungle music?" You're yeah. <laughs> What's all yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. You fucking know. racket! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, Stephen. <laughs> it's awful. God um, bless you. Yeah, um, it's just and and sort of I don't know. You know, um, things change, but maybe not that much when you look at it over a, a longer mm. time period. Mm-hmm. But the formats changed, and and the music business models maybe changed in terms of it's more. Well, has it changed? Has it gone back to where it was? That's another question. But the way it's sort of you know um, rented now, it's a rentier world yeah. of music rather yeah. than actually owning anything. Mm. Um, it's probably where the the big sort of the only grief I have is that no one's going out and buying music and investing in in something. And and therefore, because you've invested in it, you you know you you naturally want to spend time with it because you've bought, you spent your wages on it, and it's yeah. it's it's like you know it's yours, and so you, you almost feel like you've got to give it time and you've got to enjoy it, or not not got to enjoy it, but you've got to spend time with it and and listen to it properly because you've bought something. Yes, um, I know that. If you're feeling. renting it, it's throw away more. You know, it's, of course. Me, I mean, you send more. a link now, you get a link. Oh, Steve sent me a link. Right, number one of the politic of this for me is is like who sent me this link this is where i am today okay so if someone's sending me a link of music because and this is not a knock on any music or anybody that i trust or don't trust their opinion of music but we are so saturated so inundated yeah so i've got to like go okay well who sent me this oh it's come from steve oh it's come from michael oh it's come mm. from tommy mm. right I'll, I'll follow through because mm. if mm. i if i checked every single link and i check hit the link and the artwork's amazing and the name's great and the track looks good and the first 30 seconds is great everything's just great and it's just like mind-boggling it's like i, I can't then discern anything because mm. it's just even if it's not my type of music, it's like everything's so good. It sounds so good. Everything's mixed, produced, quantized, yeah. mastered. So I've kind of got um, a little sort of a, a structure in place where I try and pay attention to trusted kind of shouts. Yeah, trusted sources. Sort of. yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's just so vast otherwise. Mm. But w- w- when you allude to it there, you know, once upon a time, if I'd gone in town, I remember buying a U2 record. I forget which one it was might have been pop anyway i went and spent 12.99 on a record got home put it in my cd player i was like oh fucking hell this isn't you know yeah. whatever this isn't the joshua yeah. tree yeah. and yeah, i'm I've like oh, you know and, he, and yeah. i'm reading the art and it looked great it looked fucking amazing it was like wow this is weird and this is different and this is you know and i'm trying to get my head around right i'll listen to it again and then the third song, you know, on the third listen, so I was like, oh, I'll start. you know, and then you would, there would literally be in the most crudest of explanations, you'd stick with it because you'd just give 13 quid and a yeah. walk, walk back and forth to town, up steep hill, and you'd stick with it because you're like, no, I, I've made this. It's, and I don't think it's just because you spent the money. I think because you've committed to it, you made a decision that took all of this 
kind of surrounding mm. energy and commitment. Mm. And as you say, now you get that link and like, oh, you know, fucking oh shit. You know, yeah, I'm at the link. Just, just, however good that music is, I'm just, do you know what I mean? The, yeah. like the ceremony of it is... Yeah, I, I totally know where you're coming from on that. And, it's and really that's, difficult. That's, um, that's incisive wisdom, Sam, actually. Is it? I think you've nailed something there. Like, I've never thought of me so... I learned, you, you're right. It, it's the... Yeah, it's not just a money monetary investment. It's, a, it's a very much a... Oh, I don't know what it is. It's There's another investment going on that's... Um, um, There's a truth to it, because you've committed chemical, to maybe, it. maybe, you know, yeah. sort of... Yeah, endorphin sort of all that kind of mm. stuff going on in your brain where you're sort of you know, you're building yourself up to to something because it's uh well you know whoever it might be uh, a well, band you, you've you invested in before you like you love and I, we've all done that yeah um and you 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 get it home bang it on and the first track is like mm. Mm, okay <laughs> And you start to feel your heart sink. Mm. And you think, shit, what if I don't like this? I've got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What if I don't... Oh, this is... It's almost like a... I don't know. It's it's, it's a. It's like going on a first date or a blind date or, or something where you, you're building it up and when you meet the person, it's like, no. Yeah. Um, and you hear the song and you think, well, I've, I've got to give it more time. You know, let's see what the next song brings. And you wait. The anticipation's building. That doesn't cut the mustard. So you, you, maybe two tracks in, you turn it off. I would say maybe I don't. I don't think I've ever got past two or three of the first going through in sequence of an album when I first bought it and thought, right, I, I need to go all the way through here. I've got to. I, I normally go. Maybe I'm not in the mood today, so I'll come back to it. And that's usually what I've done, you know. Mm. And maybe it's come on on shuffle, and there's, there's one track that's come out of it, and you. You're coming at it from a completely different perspective. You're not there's no, there's no expectation. Even. Yeah, you know, mm. you're not waiting for the big fanfare. It just comes on left field amongst another load of tracks, and then you're listening to it in a different way. Mm. Um, and then you think, oh shit, yeah, okay, mm. Mm. time to delve back in again. And then you discover it. Mm. I don't know what that is. I think that's personal convenience. It's some kind of it's some kind of um, space that we allow. I think. In our minds, I think we've like we reprogrammed our way of thinking. Our cogni our cognition now is like, you know, like kids get their cars souped up and get get them chipped, mm. and mm. it's almost like now we're just you know, unless it's fucking, we just we've just gone. It's gone. It's gone. That that chance is gone. It's burnt. I mean, mm. I remember having the feeling often where it might be a best mate or someone I'm in a band with, and I really want to love this record, and they give me the record, and I'm like, oh fucking hell. Mm. Yeah, that's all right. It's a bit whatever, cock rock or whatever it might be. But then there's a track that kind of you're neither in or there with. And then over time, you fall in love with mm. the track. Mm. You know, like when mm. that happens, when a, when a track all of a sudden, I don't know, takes you on a journey where, I don't know if it's you don't understand it or it's just not vibing or it's just whatever the chemistry is in the music, you know, because yeah. obviously different music for different moods and so on. Somewhere along the line, there's chemistry for the long slow burner, that what the one that just creeps up and mm. it's kind of, it's measure just shows itself after a certain amount of listens or whatever. Mm. I used to love that feeling, mm. but it is something that I, and I, I use this as a kind of a parallel or a metaphor or some kind of, I'm trying to trade off of like the wider world. Like it feels to me like the music industry in so many ways is kind of 
like a precursor to where we're going humanely with these ideas you know the pilgrimage owning something sharing something mm. the community the meaning the the fact that um you know it's just not everywhere all the time on everything and it's great and everything looks great like everybody's in everybody's pockets now you know those bunch of mates you would have met in the woods you haven't seen some of them for months because they're from that end of the country and this end of the country and because you haven't but because you share these moments there's a real strong bond yeah you know and whereas now it's just everybody's in your pocket all the time you haven't seen these lads for two years but you know he's just had another kid and they're having a christening on sunday and you oh there he is and he's had fucking toad in the hole for tea yesterday and we know everything and so therefore that that saturation kind of just i think it does two things it kind of like paralyzes us and kind of um I, i don't know there's like an anxiety that comes from it as well where we I don't know the just the overwhelming everything everywhere mm. all the time. We don't trust to reach out and grab something that means something because you, you get it wrong or it's it's moved along or do you know what I mean? I'm probably not qualified in trying to say what I'm saying at all. So I think what you're saying is is you, you, we've almost reached critical mass of, of of music and 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 art because of. Um, the amount out there that's available to us is that we yeah i think there's that's definitely an element saturation yeah i think the way the way that it gets to us so quickly because if you find your way to it there could still be the same amount of art out there which i think there probably always has been Mm. in some way or another it might not be digital art but in some way or another people creating and making and writing and but you found your way to it and Mm. that's where i Mm. think the magic is Mm. yeah for sure whereas now it's just fucking oh which button do you press? Fucking which door do you go? Oh my god! You know, like and and then because there's so many, there's this subconscious kind of eject seat where you can. It doesn't matter because there's just more great shit. I yeah. don't know, it, and yeah. because you know it and it's there and it's just in your phone. And Spotify saying to you today, you know, I'm about to listen to. Oh, do you know what I'm going to? I'm going to listen to fucking Cream today or whatever the fucking. And then oh, what, what if you like that? Or you like them, like this? And what mm. about these? And what about that? Oh, fucking oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, let's try that and oh, mm. fuck, you know. Yeah. And over time, like what I don't know, I'm I'm out of my depth, but definitely feel like and we'll as we'll get to, like experiencing trying to make music, not just listen to it, trying to create music and share it to the listener. That's a that's another rapid a rapid mm. change. And and what mm. does that do to the creative process? We've experienced it, haven't we? Mm. It does, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, in terms of that process, um, again, that's changed massively in twenty years. So if, going back to you know when when I first thought about maybe trying to make music would be probably mid nineties, I think, and it was purely by by a friend of mine saying I've, I've hired a studio for three days. Um, do you fancy coming down? And bring your guitar. I thought, yeah, okay, see what this is all about. I'm interested in the techie side of it. So you've been you're playing a guitar in your bedroom, learning covers, playing stuff, maybe kicking around. Have you ever played with people in bands? Or? I was playing in bands. Yeah, I was in bands. Yeah, so you've done bands and stuff. Sort of, um, you know, I never really stuck at it um, much with bands because I tended to fall out with 
there was too many pretentious singers. Yeah, <laughs> yourself excluded from that. <laughs> Most uh, just caveat that. Um, but you know, not not just singers, Sam. I mean, I'm talking about musicians in general. Yeah, it's a very look. Let's be honest. The artists, musicians are. Um, I'm not trying to be generalistic here, but there is a uh, an awful amount of concentration, an awful lot of pretentious ego-driven musicians it's just an, it, come, it comes mm. with the territory right of course you know? yeah yeah and, it, and it's fine it's fine you know yeah, it's fine we need I, it you, you need it because people have to be um in order to get this out of them what i found in bands was that you know i was fairly i was younger and i was also a very kind of quiet reserved kind of character um who just didn't want really to be involved in sort of ego clashes and, and confrontations i just wanted to play um, so for me, I didn't really enjoy the, the band experience in my, in, around those times in my sort of late teens, twenties. I kind of avoided it, which is why I like DJing because it's I was solitary. Say, yeah, so then I end yeah. up DJing, and then it's just you and your it's vibe. Just me. Yeah, mm. just losing myself in, in, in you know in my own little um, space. So yeah, I, mean, I get, get into a studio. A friend of mine hires it for three days. He said, "Come down," and I get <laughs> I get down there, and he's it's basically a three day party. He's invited loads of people down. Drummers, bongo players, bass players, and I think, Jesus, who are all these people? And what am it I going to do? the Brian Jonestown massacre, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. You got so. my vape round there, Aiden. Sorry, Steve. Let's um, grab my vape off that desk. Your vape. You can use that if you want. I'm all right. good. I've got this one here. Superstar, thank you, sir. Yeah. So it was. Um, it was three days of just kind of him, just just throwing some some. I guess loops down really and things like that and we didn't really know what what we were doing at all we had no sort of structure around it um we were we were completely naive you know and that's how that's how you'd expect it to be right you're not going to walk in there and just know and own the room and, and know where you're going with a with a with a, a song if you've never done it before or any kind of track um and by the end of it you know he he'd spent like over a grand and that was a lot back, back then, then yeah god uh, yeah. and we had nothing to show for it <laughs> But we did have a load of sort of samples, and and you know, we, we he went back and and we we put he he worked with someone else on that then, and something came together. But it, and it was okay, you know. We we sent some demos out, or you know, and sort of tested the water. Um, there was some interesting stuff in there, but it was it was okay, right? So, but by then I thought, yeah, I like I just like the whole process of it. It's it's um, really really just really fascinating to me not just the technical side but the whole way it all comes together at the end and the creative process i guess yes. you know yep. you know yeah so i went down and sort of thought right i'll do it on my own see how i get on <clears throat> and you know a similar sort of journey of learning to um so you went back to a studio i went did, back to a did, studio. did you have songs written i didn't have songs written then um I just had ideas, really, just kind of things in my head that I thought I'll try, and 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 it sort of transpired. Most of it was shite, um, <laughs> but you have to go through that. Yeah. You, you have to get all this of crap out of your out of your you know out of your head, and and try it and fail, try again, fail even worse, and and just go through that horrible you know. Well, I wouldn't say it's horrible. It's a learning process, right? But mm. At the time, you think you're knocking out something that is going to you know. Change the world. Change the world. You know, mm. it, it does feel like you know you you. I'm, I'm riding it. I'm 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 going to be something. Yeah. And 
it's delusionary, but you need it because that's what pushes you forward. You know, that's what makes you want to do it again and again, and until so you prove yourself for real. And so, there's a lot of stuff that got made that was utter, utter shite, but that was part of the process. And you know, and I, I, I don't believe anyone, anybody in, in the industry, any any successful artist who says, or you know, all these kind of anecdotes about successful very successful artists who've kind of just walked in and said yeah i want that there i want that there i know what i want <laughs> from day one it doesn't happen like that that's not reality it just, mm. just doesn't happen mm. it takes a, it takes time it probably takes i mean you know for for, for people that mix music it can take 20 years and you know you you'll see you'll see bands from you know from the uk successful bands you know like all the sort of guitar bands of the 90s and and then, and even now, and you'll know if if you're sort of into the kind of tech, the, the techie bit behind it, you'll notice that nearly all that music was mixed in America on the West Coast. Right. There's only a certain group of people who can do it, and 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 they're like they're gold dust, you know. And and they're the ones who add the magic on the music, and they and it's it's a finite, very very hard to learn skill. And it's almost something you don't learn. It's like magic. Yeah. You know, it is. It's, it's like, black magic. It's black magic. Yeah. It is. So not knowing any of this when you're coming into it, you think you can do everything. So you, know, you not only can you write and you can play the guitar and you can play the bass and whatever else I try to get, you know. Look the bollocks in the leotard. The <laughs> yeah, look the bollocks in the leotard. <laughs> you know, it perfects the, you know, the, the sort of the hairstyle, the whole, the whole image yeah. and, and all that. Yeah. You also think, yes, I can engineer this, and I can also mix it, and I can also master it. You know, you, you just you just think that, and and, and until you fail, yeah. and until you you know you listen back and think, mm. humble is, yourself. Yeah, you have mm. to. Mm. Your expectations then start to become more honed and fine tuned, and then you realise you've got to let go of all these things, because music is not a one man mission. It's not. A, it's, mm. It can't be a selfish thing. The only it has to be a collaboration of different skills from you know different parts of the of the process so yeah, you know yeah. you you and you and you realize that then when you look at al all the great albums out there and great music made it's it, it, it's a uh, there's there's key people involved in it, stakeholders who are you know who have done this for every single successful artist in that field on the planet so it's a finite bunch of skills and resources um that you can't emulate in a year or, or the first day in the studio. Mm. And I think a lot of kids who try and think they can do that, you know, it's an educational thing you have to, they have to go through and you have to kind of set their expectations a little bit on that, you know. So when you come out of those three days, number one, I want to know, had you had a great time? Mm. That's the most important oh, yeah, thing. brilliant time. Number two, did you learn something? Both. Both, There you go. Yeah. So that, like yeah. you quite rightly say, and this is kind of applied learning that I'm doing all the time now to everything with my kids and stuff, you know, like, are you having a good time? Because if you are, receptors are open, everything's absorbing, everything's engaged, everything's on. Mm. And have you learned something? Brill. Mm. You know, after that, where your delusion is or where your, where your ideas may be, that could cause you some friction, you know. Mm. But if you realise you're having fun and you're learning something and you just follow that through, that's great. So you yep. guess you do. So what happens after those three days? And what's the next? What's the next stage of your musical career? Um, a little bit more of that, really. We just we just toyed around with different um, sessions, in, and I, I started working with 
a couple of other people I knew over in Nottingham. Um, and it was just sort of um, just doing little bits, really. You know, I'd probably turn up with a guitar and, and, and put guitar tracks down more than... I was going to say, what kind of stuff were you doing? Were you kind of amalgamating a bit of everything, using a guitar, using keyboards, using beats? It was mainly beats. It was it was electronic. It was house music, really. And, okay. And sort of more maybe a laid-back sort of funk stuff as well, trip, trip-hop, as it was called then, really. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, beats, uh, you know, sort of slowed down. 80, 90 BPM, sort of really <clears throat> ambient kind of tracks. And I'd just come in with a guitar and just just sort of go with whatever I was I was feeling from the track, you know. So it sort of turned into a bit of session playing, I guess, you know, mm. I started doing. Um, and and the sort of main guy I work with, um, who who now lives over in Derby, but was in London for a long time as a tour manager, and, um, he was sort of quite quite useful for me because he he got me to um do some dem some some guitar stuff on bands he was producing that was sort of coming through from from being signed to sort of smaller labels and he'd send some stuff up and say you know can you put anything on this and he would sort of send me notes back and usually it would be just like sort of i would say i'll describe it as industry talk it didn't make any sense to me what he was trying to critique it wasn't like oh can you turn this bit down or or can you Met that four bar short. Yeah, you know, or, you know, or sort of. You, I don't think that sounds um, in the right key, or you know, can you, it was more. He, he was using like industry language, which which was sort of didn't make any sense to me. And I, I said, like, "What are you talking about, man? You know, you need to. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. What do you mean?" And and he eventually, I'd get him down, I'd boil him down. And he would just say, "Less is more," and that and that's all he would say, right? Yeah. So. Um, that was one of his, um, after after sort of 10 iterations of a conversation on an email, it would turn into that. <laughs> Less is more, basically. I said, why the hell didn't you say that from the start? We could have, you know, we could I could have done this by now. Yeah. He would have been in the bag. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, for the, for, this, for this track, don't put, you know, don't do not do us. Yeah, finger workout. Yeah. Just a, um, you know, a gradual, a more standoff, yeah. ethereal kind of sound and that's what he you know, that that was kind of like right i've got to stop thinking what i think is right for the track and listen to what the producer and and and, and oh, the, the kind interesting. Of engineer thinks is mm. right for the track that's taking their you know my sort of subjectivity away and, and and letting them control it because that's what the session player does really that's you know? what's interesting i was just about to say steve because from my point of view i've only ever gone in to do original music so I've never considered it to the point of view of like being somebody who's there because you've got skill and we want you to produce something and this is the kind of thing we want. Mm. Go. Mm. That's a whole different thing. That. Yeah. That's it a is. whole different thing. And that, that's why I mean the industry talk because it, it, <clears throat> it came as over as very uh, art, artistic language he was using. Um, and what I realised he was trying to say was this was all sort of running through his conscience of how he... He couldn't talk, he wasn't musically trained, he didn't know how to play an instrument, didn't know how to articulate musically what he wanted. So it came out of a different channel for him. It was all, this is arty language. Um, mm. And it was it was like, for me, it made no sense. But So he had to work himself to try and make that. That's interesting though, because when I... Sense I, to me. I, I, I haven't had any musical, and you've worked, I've worked with you extensively over the last 10 years. And I'm, when I'm trying to explain... Right, 
what I think, right, can you, come, right, uh, let, hang on, let, um, right, we need, it needs to kind of be like thinner, almost like mm. it's like mm. through a letterbox, and then there's like <laughs> yeah. mountains, yeah, yeah. and it's behind the mountains, but you can just see it, and it's glowing. Mm. You know, like I kind of using that kind of language, mm. and mm. you've got it, and Tommy always got it, and like, it's there's something amazing about blurting out bizarre language mm. like that to somebody, and then somebody sending you some music back, and you're like, yes, yeah, yeah. that's magic to me. Mm. So, do you find then with with relationships like that with mm. with that guy, and I'm, I'm sure many more, that you start to learn that kind of language and how to adapt to the language and the the kind of the, the lexicon of mm. of it all. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's an abstract language, and it, you know, you've actually hit on the point there. You've used it yourself with me. You mm. know, I've got it from you, and I've thought. I've understood it more, mm. you know. I've sort of sort of got the yeah. the sort of radar for it a bit more, and I realise that you know that's how you express your. This non-musical person wants me to yes. make this sound like I think he thinks, <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of glowing and it's you know yeah. all around, but it's nowhere, but it's there, and yes, yeah, magic, it's magic. Mm. Mm. I've worked with people where, and I, you know, you you can only sort of hold yourself accountable. I always think, well, fucking, hell, I don't. I, but then, how do you explain? a feeling in a middle eight, you know, because it's not a chord. It's yeah. not a, you know, you mm. might be a sound on a moog, oh, we've got something more ethereal, we've got something a bit harder or whatever, but a, a general feeling of a, <clears throat> of, a, of a section or a composition or a, or a song in particular, there isn't a real language, is there? It's, it is lit, like literal, the observer or the participants mm. kind of, mm. and if you get that gel, because when you don't get it, it's a fucking nightmare. Mm. But when you do, there's a magic that's happening. It's almost like a telepathy, even. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, you can either say that needs in a middle eight, um, but most people don't approach it like that. It's it's very much where you're coming from. It's it's a. Uh, um, I, I can only compare it to when when you hear um, people who are trained in art critique. Or mm. artists who are teaching people, like my wife's an artist, and she watches. We were watching this thing called um, Powerful Sarah, by the way, amazing artist. She is, yeah. And we were watching this thing called um, Landscape Artist of the Year, and there's there's like four art critics on it, and their fluency with with, with the art language is is almost like someone speaking fantastic, beautiful French. Mm. The way they speak about art. Just all those words coming into you, into your frontal, you know, lobe here. Yeah, something connects and lights up. So you, and and that is almost like they have to tell a story about this picture because, and once they do, then you get it. And what you tend to find is in music, I think that's where you're you you're coming from, where you're sort of trying to tell me a story of how you think mm. the, the sound should sort of sound. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm picking up on that language, and the more fluent you get with it. Mm. Uh, the more it makes sense to me, and it, it, it becomes a, um, a reflective thing, you know. Yeah. So I, I start Absolutely. to more, sort of understand it more, and 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 you'll it'll click with you, and you'll get it. And, mm. <clears throat> and when you've explained music to me that you're even listening to as a fan, you know, you've said to me before um, about a few bands you've, you've you've pointed my way, and and you've you've never sort of said, "Oh, this is all right, this is great." Check out the guitar on that. You don't talk like that. You, you you talk in a in that language. You know, mm. because it's almost, a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a, it's a feeling converted into 
well, it's very, very deep, this is, but, you know, it, it, it's a feeling that uses really amazing language to, to articulate itself, and it, 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 it's, it's quite powerful. It takes me on a sidetrack about language its very self, because when I listen to Terence McKenna talk, who's a famous botanist and a psychedelic gentleman from a lot of his work was videoed and it's available on YouTube from the 90s, Lovely, lovely way of words. And he always talks about language and like the anthropology of language and, mm. you know, how it is the one modem we have to communicate this universal thing, which yes. is feeling. Yes. Yeah. And it really made me want to read more books and learn and, and to actually, talking about learning an instrument or learning the scale or learning the science of an instrument, like to learn to speak properly. And by that, I don't mean to speak properly. I mean, like you're talking about these art critics or this music language, like to be able to essentially try and deliver a feeling in a way that can be interpreted and understood mm. and, and grabbed. Mm. That's about as powerful a thing. And it's almost got me round on my creative <clears throat> art journey in life and what I'm into at whatever time. I'm into music, I'm into records, I'm into um, podcasts, I'm into architecture, whatever it is. I'm really coming around to writing now as like mm. such a pure form of like, because it is the catalogue of everything, isn't it? It's like these feelings, because you, you made me think of there, Steve, when you were saying these art critiques are using this language, this beautiful language. It's almost, almost like another language, but somehow you get it. Mm. Somehow it is computing mm. its message to you. And so even though it feels maybe like, oh, wow, that's a lexicon or, or a, you know, a dialogue that's like way beyond me, I, I couldn't muster and put those words together. Yeah. yeah. Somehow yeah. you can untangle them. And that's where the power of literature is for me. Oh, that's totally. What, that's what I'm coming around to. Yeah. I do, and the more I get older and, and, and sort of greyer, um, the more I, I've, I've become more open to, 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 to that um, that kind of, uh, that kind of language, I suppose. I've, I've become more attuned to, or interested, I think, uh, interested mm -hmm. in language, and because uh, it's so powerful, and then harnessing it and having all that word soup in your head that you can just assemble into the right kind of, you know, mm -hmm. lines of order to get your to tell your story or mm -hmm. sell sell something, sell art, sell music, describe music, describe what you you know. All these things, language is. Oh, it's, it's, it's a it's mind-boggling really how, how it can be harnessed and mm. um and so yeah there's an appreciation now where i would have once thought what's this pretentious art i want about i would now think this guy's an artist himself because he can he's an art of, he's yeah. an artist of language yeah yeah as, yeah as well as an artist on the canvas so yeah. he's got he's got it he's got it completely he mm. can he can walk in here mm. and paint his picture and he'll be able to sell it to you in, in not just because it looks on you know visually um yeah stimulating, stimulating and engaging and engaging and yeah you know he's he he will describe it or you know um seduce in an oratory way that that sort of you, you, all your senses are tuned in so you think that's it that's how you do it yeah, yeah. so there's a newfound appreciation for you know for language yeah, um, in me yeah there is well so you're making the music you're kind of doing the session playing you're learning the language of music, you're learning the communication of music, which I also, I mean, we keep going off into these deep side tracks, but that's where my head's at at the minute. 
because there's a lot of psychology and there's a lot of personality involved in adapting as well. So when you have your way of working or your way of understanding things or interpreting things, when you start to have to pivot on the move and adapt to more experienced people around you or, mm. or a faster flow than you used to, it takes a lot of adapting there. So mm. I imagine you're getting you're just getting stronger and a more accomplished musician and person of music i'll call you hmm. as the years go yes. by so at what, at what point yeah. do you like go right fuck it i want to make something now that hmm. i can put in and listen to and play to somebody else and say that's my stuff that yeah i think that's uh, naturally it came to sort of that natural step about 2003 four i think and it was all down to um I'd, I bought myself a, a PC and I was hearing a lot about some software called uh, Reason. Um, and it was yeah. all, all everyone was talking about because it was really easy to make um, sort of electronic music. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good place to start. I'll, I'll give that a bash. Um, it was all software synths and it, it was all it was a composer's um, fantasy in a box, really. You know, you could get in there and <clears throat> there was all, you could rack up a load of different um, synth emulators. And you could sequence it on a on a you know on a timeline, and um, you couldn't get any audio into it at the time. But you could do pretty much everything you want within this software studio in a box. <clears throat> so I, I gave that about a year and got fairly proficient with it. And then things started to come out of me. You know, probably music that I was I'd been listening to previously for you know since I was a child um, just all started to come out in. In sort of various different compositions, mm-hmm. some of it was all over the place, really. Um, some of it was okay, but I was just—it felt like a really empowering thing for me and a real um, stimulating, creative mm-hmm. um, indulgence. And I never really thought I would do anything, anything further than that. But then it's sort of it, the bug gets you, and you can't mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop doing it. And, and, you know, I was knocking out stuff all the time. I had to be in, up there in, in the studio, in my, in my spare bedroom. And things just started to evolve from there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose I got to the point where I thought, well, should I try trying to write a song? You know, write some lyrics. Because I'd tried it when I was in my 20s. You know, and it, it was just... It was just, just, just dross. You know, it was... I couldn't... I had things in me that I wanted to, 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 to sort of lay down in the lyrics, but I could never get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, well, I'd written that one off for probably 15, 10, 15 years, and I thought, well, if I can't get someone else to sing on, on my stuff, I may as well give it a go myself. So, yeah, again, that was a learning process. It was kind of like, right, I need to write something that's going to make sense for a start rather than just a load of words off the back of a cornflakes back or something you know which is how it, it, yeah, it sometimes yeah. starts it's just a bunch of words and it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense and then you start thinking no i need to give this some narrative i need to give it a storyline and, and i need to what, what am i writing about what's mm. channel your emotions mm. and, and and trying to do that um took a bit of time and and then eventually i suppose you just fine-tune it and hone it and the first andrenochrome well no i did it i did two I did two, two or three sort of electronic guitar tracks under the name of Rebellious, Rebellious Jukebox. Jukebox. Yeah, which I was remember, um, yeah. that was about two thousand and seven or eight, um, and they were demos really, and and 
MySpace was there. You know, MySpace was kind of like the. That was a the, mad fucking yeah. revolution, wasn't it? MySpace was. was 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 massive, and it was kind of a, another kick in the in the ass for me to. At that time, I thought, well, this is great because you can get your music online, and people can follow you and and, and give you feedback, and it's 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 like. I don't need to go to a record label. Maybe I could do it this way. You know, this this was all new, kind of. It's a new world. Um, so I put stuff on there, and it it started to pick up quite a lot of interest. Um, and and then there's some guys from um, Tom Robinson's show got in touch with me and said, "Oh, you know, we, we like this." I did a single um, called um, God, what was it called? Your Your Machiavellian, and it was it was basically about. It was about someone I knew I used to work with, but I made it sort of a little, a little bit political with a small p, and um, sort of like a driving punk track, but it was electronic. And they picked it up and played it on the radio, and I thought, oh, great. And then someone, off the back of that, another um, a PR agency from uh, from London called, who we, we almost worked with, I can't remember their name. Was it Rob, someone we spoke to? Vision. Yeah. Vision PR. Someone from Vision PR. Now, <clears throat> I think really at the time I was a bit naive. I think really they were fishing for business, and I, I, I sort of bit. Um, yeah. But well, of course, to be fair, um, they put it out, did a review on it, did some promo on it, and it, it got featured in a few sort of um, online and a, a electronic music magazine, and and just just sort of for small features. And, and it got, this this is you putting your first true bits together. Then that was well. The bits I felt confident enough to put out. You got to bear in mind there was three tracks out of probably fifty that were any right. I thought were only worth putting out. Right. Um, okay. And that was through a process of um, it was quite nerve wracking putting stuff online then because it was all mm. new. Mm. You know, mm. um, you're sort of exposing yourself a bit and you're opening yourself up to God knows what. You know. Um, so there was a bit of naivety there. Well, I just want to jump in quick again with the deep side track. But you just mentioned there, you know, there comes a point when you're going to give this to the world, you know, and for anybody watching this or listening who does write songs or poetry or sonnets or whatever it might be, it's one of the most personal things in the world mm -hmm. to, mm. to give that to somebody else, to let them yeah. hear it, to, to recite it to them, to sing it to them, to mm -hmm. play it to them, for them to sit down and go, come on, then put it on. Yeah. Because it's such a an expression of you number one and number two we always doubt ourselves we all doubt yes. ourselves we all yeah. think well i did it so it must be shit because mm. it was mm. me mm. and that's such a tricky thing and the reason i point that out is because i wanted to ask you as you're getting more and more into your music and you write you start you talk about lyrics and writing songs and actually putting songs together do you find a cathartic kind of feedback in that in doing that do you find like a meditation in that maybe not at the time but as you look back i mean i don't think back in the mm. 80s and 90s we're thinking we're getting any kind of therapy or sort of zen time but actually when you when you do read what we now know with science you know about sitting down with a guitar or writing a right just writing could be anything just write pick the pen up and write you know this actual biological, neurological things happening that are very, very good for the system, for the karma, for the energy, mm. which all sounds rather woo, but it's that's where we are. Mm. So I wonder, in the lead-up to giving it away, 
did you feel that? Did you get that kind of like, yeah, I'm just lost with the guitar. I'm writing this down. It feels good. I've written that, and that, that you know, whether I give it to the world or not, that, that, that I was gone then for two hours, and that's mm. out of mm. me now. Yeah, absolutely right. That's a great question, um, <clears throat> which I was, yeah, I, I must admit, that's a big part of it. That process, learning, you know, the, the, the creation process is, is once you've you've kind of top and tailed it and you, and you think, right, that's it, it's, 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 it, I think it's there. Um, you've got to give it some time and then come back to it, revisit, and, and then you'll think, you kind of know instinctively whether it's a track that you think it'll work, but that's purely subjective again, right? Mm. So... Like you just said there, my you know, my massive self doubt um, was was apparent all the time, and you know I was starting to think, well, <clears throat> hang on a minute, you know, I'm bound to like this, aren't I? I've made it, so what the hell do I know if it's any good? You know, what? How do I know this is this is not just um, doggerel, or you know, not just something that sounds like it was made on a you know, mm. fifty five quid Casio, and is just uh, it's. it's it's just shit, basically. So mm. how do I get that outside view and perspective? So I did play it to a few people, a few of my mates, and that's never a good thing because your mates will always maybe be biased anyway. Gear, pat but, on the back. But I, yeah. Or tell you you're a fucking wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've got a couple of mates like that. So, I, you know, I dropped in the MySpace link and they were like, they came back and, and one of them is a an old friend of mine I was in a couple of bands with, um, uh, you know, he's... Uh, and he's, he's made a bit of music himself, and he was very complimentary. In fact, weirdly complimentary. And I thought, I, I kept saying to him, Are you, what's your agenda? You know, be honest. He said, no, no, it's not, there's something about it. You know, so isn't that the power of your doubt of yourself then, Steve? Um, I think it's the power of... Because I, 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 you are so skilled and crafted and talented, I guess is the main word, talented... So, on some level, do you know that? You must know that on some level. And I know we all want to be humble and we all want to be, uh, you know, these kind of, you know... But on some level, we know when push comes to shove, if we can stand our ground in an area, mm. whatever it may be. But there's still that battle, that battle when you give it away and the, mm. it can't be, you know, a bit of you's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's good, I, I believe in that, it's good, it's good. Mm. But then the bigger part of you's like, oh, yeah, but this, it's you, isn't it? And there's all these mm. people and mm. all these... Mm. Is a bit of you know that you you can do it, or is the doubt like crippling? Um, I think originally it, it, it was crippling. Um, I've gone through that process now, that cathartic process, I think, mm. and and um, and that's purely because um, probably my own fault, actually. Maybe it's just the way I'm I am wired up. Is is that I probably uh, looked too much to external um, viewpoints to to kind of give me the endorsement that I thought I had some talent because I, I never thought I've, I never really considered myself as being talented. I thought I'm just doing what other musicians do, surely, you know, everyone can make music. What's, what's, what have I got um, mm -hmm. to show for it? So for me, it was a, a big point about proving to myself that I could actually be uh, respected, I think, by, by people um, who I considered to be, um, who I guess peers, people I look to, who I think, wow, you know. Um, and maybe if I got a little bit of endorsement from that, I thought that gives me justification to keep moving yeah. moving forward and making music, yeah. you know. I needed that sign-off almost, really. I couldn't have just been 
gung-ho so, so gung ho and stubborn to, mm. to, to, to think, fuck you, whatever you think. And there's a lot of people who can do that. And mm. I, 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 I really respect people like that who say, oh, I don't care what anyone else thinks about my music. I'm, I just make it and I'll put it out there and someone's going to like it and love it. I was a bit more, I need to get uh, consens- you know, consensus yeah, before I even think it's any good. Mm. I, I kind of really need to look out to, to, to get that internal confidence. As that went on, yeah, I think I started to, once I started to master where, how, and I think a lot of it was technically mastering it as well, you know, making it sound, or making the sort of, bringing my technical level up to my ambitions of how I wanted something to sound. Um, once I sort of reached that point to where I knew I, I could take it as far as and I could go and then somebody, I'd have to hand it off to someone else to, to take a, that extra step. Then, yeah, I think, I thought then, yes, I, I am confident in sort of what I can do, mm. what I can bring to a track or, mm. or what I can, um, where I can add value to to anything musically, I suppose. Yeah, whether yeah. that's yeah. purely from a, um, a listener's perspective, my own, so, you know, my own enjoyment of it or, or making it, you know. Mm. So, mm. yeah, yeah, that that's... Um, so yeah, I mean, after uh, I guess after that, I, I thought thought, well, maybe there is something. Maybe, maybe maybe I can develop this a bit more. And things get in the way, you know. Um, <clears throat> life and in general, just 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 kind of, just, it's too there's too much going on, you know. And I just had my son, um, you know, and 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 that was fantastic. And it, it sort of made me think, well, music's just just too selfish. I ain't got time for You're it. You're a dad anymore. now, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Where am I going to get time to fuck about yeah. like that anymore? Yeah, it was. It was a, a case of that. I thought, well, it's got to be one or the other, and, you know, there's no time for this, and so put it on the back burner. And um, and then, you know, so when Joe was, was, was two or three years old, I thought, no, here, here we go again. I need, I need to get back on the on the, on the gravy train and, and see where I'm at. And so I built a studio in a garage. And that's kind of how Andronicone first came about. It was just me, really, just um, in some more reflective mood i think that was sort of 2011 12 i was head i was nearly 40 i was 40 nearly 40 and and i seemed to find myself writing lyrics that were more if i could say a bit more sort of uh, i've got something to say i don't know where it's, this is coming from but i, I feel that it was a bit sort of more jarry really yeah life in it yeah yeah well, i like that about on. your stuff yeah there's always a bit of humor in there but it was just sort of uh, you know maybe Maybe I've got something. And it sort of fit in with the... And I made it sort of sound lo-fi, like it was recorded in a garage in electric. You know, it was kind of very sort of... Well, I think the first stuff I remember was uh, Mother Nature's Ashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and The Art of Conversation. Mm, mm. And to me, I think I said to you at the time, they had like a Beck kind of feel. There was that kind of, that lo-fi DIY kind mm. of almost... Um, there's a, there's a swagger to it, but almost like that. It's almost like a geeky, studenty kind of swagger. There's a swagger that yeah, like Beck, yeah, like yeah. Beck. It does sound yeah. People did say, but, but not reference Beck, but not like it sounds like Beck. There's that feeling to it. Back to that language, you know. There's that feeling of like the satirical, you know, poking a little bit of tongue in cheek, but in an intelligent way, you know, like not mm. not just brash or whatever. And then the lo-fi beats, the repetitive nature of it, but then the clever music, you know. So you're kind of tricked into like the beat and the monotony, mm. but there's a lot of clever 
musicianship and structure going through it and your voice which we'll get to as well you know the way you sing you know there's a there's a character in there there's a there's a you know um because i love the idea that you don't have to sing you just have to tell the story and you do that for me oh, right. i think that's lovely oh, okay that's nice to know thanks for that i mean you um do. That, those i mean those two tracks actually took a long time to get right and i think it was a case of um learn the learned experiences and feedback i'd had from before that made that happen you know it was less is more think about where things need to be in that track to to not mm. jump out at you but just be there that you know that they, they sound like they should be there but they sh- you don't notice them you know yeah I mean? yeah that's when you get into yeah. the dark art yeah. yeah and that's when things started to and i'll I, I tell you what that was really was listening to a lot of music I had to go away. I was just listening to a lot of music around that time and how people um, mixed, um, you know, sort of different sounds and instruments, um, especially in electronic music, where they were putting things in in in, in a dynamic sort of the mix, you know, and and where <clears throat> what was louder and what was what was quieter and why was it louder, mm. you know? It's um, it's obviously there for a reason and and. and <laughs> You go down a rabbit hole with that. You, you, again, you overthink it. You know, I'll go in there on, on the night, think, right, I'm going to get this finished because I've been doing this track for six months. <laughs> it's time to stop, you know, it's time to start obsessing about this hi-hat that, you know, I can't quite, yeah. you know, get to sort of sit right with the with the overall groove, you know. And it gets to that level. And then, you, you know, you read these sort of stories when, you, when you're reading sort of Melody Maker and, and those old mm. magazines are no longer around. Once upon a time, yeah. You know, when, when sort of, you know, I don't know, some... I can't think of anyone because it's just completely... Any, any kind of famous... Brian Eno's talking... Great example, right? Brian Eno, you know, he's sat in there, you know, maybe boring the tits off his engineer for eight months saying now we just need to get that little <laughs> two second micro sample <laughs> to you know just just two dbs yeah lower no yeah. that's right two db you know six months later i think we need to go yeah. you can imagine that's the process that he goes through mm. and, and a lot of you you know we know it because we've read it but that's when you, you're spending too much time thinking yeah. um and, and maybe you never you never really get the track you you mm. really Mm. wanted to, to you know you envisioned you end up something on, on a different tangent mm. and i was mm. at that point and i thought well i'm spending too long with this so um maybe i should just give it give it a break step away from it come back to it and that 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 break turned out to be about a year <laughs> just just because uh, i just thought well no no i can't listen to it anymore I've, I've, i spent too much time with it then i went back to it and um put my cans on and and those two tracks, I thought, well, actually, I don't think I can do any more with them. That, yeah. that must be it. So now it's That's time great. to hand over for mastering. And then, you know, put them out. Um, and then they, 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 I got a feature in um, Electronic Music Magazine, which was fantastic, because I didn't expect that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great. So I thought, okay, well, you know, there's probably some mileage in this. and That belief gets injected. Yeah, yeah. it gives you a bit of impetus to, mm. to, um, to keep it rolling. Um, but it didn't because other things came along. I did Black Hawk, and and then that yeah. was something else and the project. Well, Black Hawk again for people listening who um, have been with us from from the get go. 
I've used um, Black Hawk and talked about you extensively in that sense because I think you it, that that record for me. I was just turning thirty when that record came out. Is it six six tracks? Six or eight uh, tracks? Six. Six yeah, tracks. Six. Hmm. <clears throat> Black Hawk, and it just. I was going through a real, and for people, Black Hawk is you doing guitar and kind of traditional songwriting, intro, outro, middle eight, chorus, hmm. you know, hmm. playing the instruments, um, really kind of, uh, I don't even know if I can pigeonhole it on anything, but it's got that kind of classic songwriter's feel to to me, good songs. But it was all very reflective of like coming of age to me, and and, and much like you're saying mm. there, Stephen, you know, in in the sense of like the lyrics that you were writing coming down a, a, seem a, a, a bit a bit more experienced, a bit wider, a bit better, tr- a well trod trodden, um, better travelled. I don't know what what the explanation is, but that record was great for me because I loved it. I thought, fucking hell, this because I was having these things, oh, fucking, I'm 30, I'm 30, I'm, I'm going to have a son and where's my life going and I'm, I'm not a party kid anymore and I've got to fucking, I'm on this track and what does it all mean? And that was really, really, and I've played it on a couple of podcasts, I think. Um, yeah, so people will be mm. aware of that and I'll link it in at the bottom of this. But you did that record and so for you, we have talked about this personally between us because I've, I've told you this story about what it did to me, but... Was it, you're a little bit older than me, so were you, was that that I was feeling coming through you in any way, that kind of coming of age or becoming a dad, was any of that there for you? You know, because that's yeah, what I yeah. took from it. I took, like, this is a guy really having some introspection on where he's come mm. and where does it go? You know, where he's been and what's where do we go from here kind of thing as well. Yeah, I think it was. That was a loose sort of uh, narrative underneath it yeah it was a sort of um i think i was for i was just a, i was 40 41 no 41 i think 2013 or and uh, I, I sort of had this i thought right if i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this properly now i've got enough, i've had all these experiences and i'm, I'm gonna put them all together bring it all together and produce uh, an ep and, and it's gonna be done right <clears throat> and i even hired a, a session drummer and we worked out the songs before we even went in the studio Everything was sort of down to, you know, real... Everything was nuanced, finite, as much as you could get in, in a rehearsal room. And then um, then we took it in the studio, got nailed all the, you know, nailed all the tracks down um, in quite a short space of time because, you know, you're cognizant of the money mm. spinning over and whilst you're in the studio on, on an hourly rate. So I thought I have to, I've got to be, you know, um, sensitive to the, the budget and... You know, you're playing project manager and everything in that role. You've got to take your way, extract yourself from being a musician to be a project manager. You're directing, you're producing, you're pulling a load of skills together to make, um, you know, to, to deliver something that is going to be ultimately, you know, a musical album. Stand the test of time. Album. Yeah, yeah so stand the test be, of time. Yeah. And, and so that whole process took about nine months from start to finish over time, you know, over, not every week, but, you know, certain dates and times in, in the diaries and and then <clears throat> it was back back to mixing and and then it was kind of like layering laying tracks on and so you know I was going in and putting different guitar melodies over things and we were putting keys on and and then I brought someone in to to you know to help me kind of mix it 
um, guy called George Schilling, who is uh, just uh, you know a much admired and respected yes um, studio engineer producer. He's worked with just about everybody um, you can think of, really. Um, oh, a good example, I think he engineered Oasis his first number one, didn't he? Some he did, might yeah. say, yeah, uh, and Fleetwood Mac and everybody in between. Absolutely terrific guy. Um, just really, you know, instinctively when you know you can work with somebody. We've never actually met. We've always talked online, you know, um, but you just know that the, the warmth was there, the encouragement, the help, and it was just, please just take this and, and can you just deliver my sort of language? My yeah, yeah. The language thing again. So I'm the one now delivering the language. Mm-hmm. You know, the roles have reversed. So I'm telling, trying to tell George what I, you know, what I think and how I feel. Um, mm-hmm. This, 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 you know, overall sound yeah. and, 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 and feeling um, should 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 be end to end, you know, track one to track six. And um, that was interesting. Um, and it took a bit of time for us to sort of work that one out between us, but, it, you know, George is very smart. He's worked with just about everybody, so he knew, again, he was receptive to that language straight away. Yeah, yeah. So it was my more my problem being communicator than him being re- receiver. Um, and... And then you know he 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 took it from there, and and by the end of it, 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 it was, I was really pleased with it. I still wasn't sure, to be honest, if I I was totally, um, hundred percent with it. But I thought, look, I've got to do, I've got to get it out there now, you know, and try and see what the the mm. the, the wider audience see see what see how it goes, you know, mm. in into people's ears and where they take it from there. Now, I had no money to promote it. So by then I'd spent everything on 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 sort of making, you know, writing, not writing, but rehearsing with the drummer, paying him uh, studio sessions and George's. Uh, oh, you, the, the money's fucking mad. Yeah, it is, yeah. And that was on a very tight budget, you know, and, and George did me very good rates. Everything I got for everyone I work with, they gave me their lowest rates. Um, so, you know, had I gone into... Any typical, um, you know, sort of well-known studio, that would have been a, a 20 grand budget. Yeah. I got it for a tenth of that, mm. you know, end to end. So mm. <clears throat> um, then I got it mastered by Abbey Road, but not, I didn't go into Abbey Road. They did it online because it's cheaper. Yeah. But I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to push the, let's push it as far as I can. Let's pull a bit up. Aiden, if you search Black Hawk Bandcamp or Bandcamp and then Black Hawk. You should be able to find it. The thumbnail is um, it's like a a boy with his back to you in like a like a monolithic stone world with wings. He's got like angel wings. Um, I didn't know that you mastered it down at Abbey Road. I knew George had worked on it. So, so yeah. Well, George said, "Don't." He said, "I can master it, but it's often best for another pair of ears to to check me." You know, to, to yeah. Um, so, and that's kind of the way it's done anyway. In, in in the normal process, so um, yeah, I did that. But by then, like I say, I'd, um, the bank balance was zero, and I had no money to invest in, and in isn't marketing. It, isn't it a fucker? Because it's like knowing what we know. Obviously, it's easy to say in twenty twenty one because we can make things sound much better than we ever could uh, with tools that we've got, as mm. opposed to hiring those studios and getting those drummers and those mics and those engineers. And actually, you can probably take a couple of gambles and keep some budget back because that budget really, 
all that work is getting the music to somebody, isn't it? Yeah, you've yeah. got to fucking get it to somebody, and yeah. you, you end up you end up mm. at the market with here I am, but yeah. I've got no lift. No one can get me to, and it's it's yeah. like that's the painstaking, like a uh, difficult part of of as we talked about with Jane with this, you know, the creative process when when those thoughts come in or when that when that necessary next step starts to show itself and you start thinking about the calculating of the what we're going to do next and how mm. does this you know mm. it does become that difficult divide between yeah. that's yeah you again that's a really really uh pertinent point you make because what what i realized very quickly is that you know i'd come to the very very limits of my skill set taking the, this thing as far as I could going to the marketing elements of it and trying to get it to the listener was I may as well have tried to learn Russian you know mm. it was a completely different um, it was a completely alien world to me and I, I didn't like it I didn't want to be involved in that I wanted to hand that to someone else and say you know you, you, you're the guys who do this day in day out um, please just take this and, and see where it goes but I couldn't do that because I you know I had no contacts in the industry at that level um I had people offering to promote it for me but you know um again it was like give me a grand uh give me 20 grand um and I could possibly get this featured here I could possibly get this yeah. airplayed here what do I bet on you know there's no guarantees by the way with any no. of this stuff no. and that doesn't matter whether you cold play or mm. whether you me mm. there's no guarantees it's um it's all kind of hedging bets mm. and <clears throat> no i couldn't afford a hedge bet so i had no i had no money left so i just thought right okay screw it i'll stick it on band camp and um set up a facebook page yeah. and that's it that's all i can do you yeah. know yeah. um and i did get a couple of people to do me some favors with reviews and um it was um it was received well enough where i could could get it out mm. um Oh, it's great, man. But, and, you know, it's, for me, it's a timepiece. I can go back to it and say, well, there's, there's a song called, there's a track called Midlife on there, which is essentially me being yeah. an angry 40 year old, yeah. you know, um, mm. and then seeing the way I'm going and not being able to pull out of that because yeah. I'm switching from a young, optimistic soul to an old, miserable mm. fart, you know. Mm. But, mm. and I can, I can laugh at that myself. It's well, I think what you said there is really beautiful because in the end, no matter all of these escapades we find ourselves on in a creative process for our own mental health or our own need to express or, you know, a want and a will to make it and be seen and be heard and to share your, your message or whatever it is, in the end, you know, with a bit of luck on your side, you're going to be an old boy in your chair, Hopefully. you know, yeah. and you can, you can go back and you can say, you know what, to your grandkid who's picked up his guitar and who's got this thing in him, yeah, yeah, have a listen to that. You know, you might you might get something out of that. You know, because mm. you did it and you framed whatever that emotion, that journey, that epoch, that part of your life. It got distilled and 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 expressed, and it's there. It's just there. You can yeah. go to it. That's that's what I do love about all these demos or whatever it fucking mm. is. You know, it's, yeah, it's a chapter where you've you know you've you a chapter of your life you've 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 kind of recorded or. Um, made a journal of and, it, and it's out there and it's um it'll always be there it's it's a mm. it's a legacy i can leave you know my kids don't know about 
Blackhawk and, and what, half the stuff I do, to be honest, because mm, those will, conversations you don't have. They will in time, I guess. Um, oh, Joe's going to come in downstairs one day and he's going to be a young, you know, whatever he is, a goth or a rocker or whatever he's into, mm. and all of a sudden you, you, you'll, you'll blow his mind because that, t- that right time comes. Possibly. I believe I believe this. I, I believe that there's a point when your kids realise that you're not just dad and that other yeah. things have happened. Yeah. And whether or not they're well into that kind of musical, whatever, there's, there is a point when they go, oh, fucking hell, wow, you did that. You did that. Because they just know you as, put mm. that back, bail, get your look left and right, don't just run out in the road. That's you. <laughs> then they see a video yeah. of you or they hear you playing a guitar and singing a song. That's that's a fucking special thing. That's gonna be that's gonna be impactful, that is, somewhere down the line. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Um I think it all it, and that's that's why I that's why you do what you do, isn't it? You know, it's it's like I say, it's a bit of a timepiece. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe, maybe if I, you know, I'd, I'd had sort of the time and ambition, I would do one when I'm 50 next year, and, and maybe do a, you know, every 10 years I do an album. Yeah, that's a great you know, idea. Or an EP, you know, something that's like that. That's a great and idea. And then you, you kind of check and you're thinking and, and your, your journey in your life, you know. And yeah. A bit like Adele with a, you know, yeah. 19, 29, whatever she does. Yeah. Um, so, so never say never. It's just it, when you think about it in your head, all of that, all that process and all of that stuff you've got to put yourself through uh, to, 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 you know, to, to make it happen is, um, <clears throat> it's just too much of a commitment sometimes, you know. Here you are then, devil's advocate. Earlier on we talked about the meaning of the pilgrimage, the meaning of the trek into town in the rain to queue up. I mean, I remember going and getting one of the Oasis's singles when I was a kid at school. I got up at like... I think I did my paper around and went straight from the paper shop and waited outside Andy's records for like yep. however many hours to get this fucking record on. So there's something in that, there's something in that willingness to get your sleeves up and get stuck in and get after it and fucking feel the pain and all that just to listen to the music. So I think when it comes around to being 50, when it comes around to being 60, getting them sleeves up and picking that guitar up and slugging out some tunes and because we know this, we know that it's, there's no two ways about it. It's good for the human being to express. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Isn't it, it is, yeah. Especially during these times. Um, you know, hell, yes. And there was, there was. There, to be honest, there was. It could have been an album. Um, and there was some spin-off songs that I didn't, I couldn't afford to record. So you know, I kept those. And 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 there's probably another worth. There's probably about six or seven more songs that I have to I often pick up the guitar and go straight to. And one of them sounds. I'm really, you know, I really like playing it. It feels nice to sing and play it, uh, and I think, well, that's still the test of time. Mm. It still feels kind of, kind of really emotionally evocative because it's a, it's kind of based on, um, <clears throat> sort of second, a first world war, um, uh, sort of, sort of okay. story poetry I got into years ago. Uh, so, you know, there are there is stuff there. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's it's kind of again condensing it all down and going through that process of mm. of recording mixing and, and and producing and and project managing and mm. you know then realizing you know you run out of money again and, and and you don't want to repeat the same um mistakes so you're avoiding you're more risk averse but you know ultimately you don't want to let that kill your ambition though do you you know because mm. you talk yourself out of anything if you do that no fucking hell no that's so, a nightmare so yeah. 
Black Hawk pops up in the middle. Hmm. So Black Hawk, Aiden, did you find anything on Black Hawk? Yeah, I need. Um, I don't know what the remote is. For TV. Oh shit! Sorry, dude. I've got it all around here. The harmonica and a remote were two things that I was playing with earlier. Um, sorry, dude. Um, yeah, so Black Hawk pops up in between the variations of Andronochrome, hmm. essentially. No, there he is, yeah. So what the track you were talking about was uh, Midlife. Yeah, Midlife, yeah. Let's play yeah. a little bit of Midlife. Sounds a little bit... So um, people can find this at blackhawk.bandcamp.com. Yes. Yeah, so... Um, track, track six... Midlife. Hmm. Lots of great melody I find on this record. Hmm. Got That's what I wanted in it. Great really. ear for melody. Did you play everything else, Steve, other than drums? Yes, yeah, everything else is me. Um, apart from a, there's a bit of piano on there, uh, which um, <coughs> Simeon did, who was engineering it with me, um, who helps on a few little um, nuanced bits on there as well and made it sort of glue together better. So, yeah. Um, jump onto track four, Rising Sun. This is what I used on uh, my first ever Wild Camp with Dave McGregor when I got introduced to Wild Camp and I had this beautiful experience of the right thing at the right time. Mm. And I used this to soundtrack the episode. Oh, yes. In maybe saying something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's perfect. I love this song. It's quite a personal song, actually. I wrote this about my mother because she was having a bad time. She, she was uh, having a sort of a bit of a dark time in her life. And it's kind of about coming out of the depression, sort of, you know. Mm. Um, well, I did it on a, a steel guitar I had. which You uh, can hear it. It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. I love the sound of the drum there as well. How long did that take? <laughs> I actually didn't say that long because Andy was an absolute consummate pro. Oh, okay. um, we just cut the drums to, set, to come in at that particular point, you know. Um, 
and is glorious like a rising sun like a rising sun yeah man that, that little well, that was that was another one from yeah just messing around you know these this is what happy you know, accidents yeah, just, yeah. just process and you, you just mess around find things that was him just knocking something in the control room um his idea i don't know where it came from but it works you know that's awesome those little nuanced little yeah yeah that's that's the beauty of creation isn't it mm. things come in that you would you would never have imagined needed to be there they just end up there and when you trust mistake. when you are in that recording studio with those people and you do find that trust and that language can be shared and so intimate and trying to share your ideas and your belief and there's all that backdoor stuff going on am I good enough is this mm. good enough or am I wasting everyone's time when you find yourself in that trusted environment yeah that's yeah. when the magic those you, you allow this to happen don't you oh, he's going to hit that and he's going to bang that off no don't do that I, don't, I never had that in my head yeah. that's gone it's like okay let's try it and then yeah. that, that works great what about this yeah, yeah the flow that, comes that's, that's why I think the underestimated person in a studio is the engineer and the producer mm. usually the engineer um, who's probably doing both actually um, they're the people who, um, the glue that just binds everything together, and, and it's the relationship you build with those those people that makes you, that in, makes you trust implicitly trust them. And you know, you, you know, you just you just know they're coming from a place where experience has, has you know borne itself out, and yeah. that's why they're there, what they're doing. And by that, you know, they they're giving you confidence, and and you can relax, and then 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 things flow much much more. Uh, naturally through you, you know, mm. when you're in that, um, when you in trust. that sweet spot. When you said it earlier and we joked about, you know, talking to your neighbour and kind of the assumptions we make on the surface of things because we're kind of, everyone's being polite and we're being, you know, practical in our neighbourhoods and, you know, we're not borrowing milk off each other anymore, but then mm. a little bit of exposure to somebody underneath that surface layer and all of a sudden you unpeel a lot of fabric of yourself. Yeah. What did I think? You know, mm. what did I have you boxed up as? And yeah, the musical experience is, um, I've had it a little bit myself. In fact, I'll have to play some of my demos. I went on a little mad musical making, it, as we said pre podcast, I think, when I've been a bit down. I've said it in a previous podcast anyway to the to the listeners and stuff. You know, I, I hit that point of like, I was fucking feeling the pressure of the current climate of the world and the future mm. and having mm. kids and. Mm. My beliefs against the line alignment of you know corporate government you know kind of projection. I'm thinking, mm. fucking hell, my future does not look good. And it got on top of me a little bit. And uh, I'd previously set up my old Mac for my kids who are now on schooling, and had it set up um, of garage band on it because young Sonny's kind yeah. of really interested in getting on there. And and I'd been out camping with Dave one day. It were Dave McGregor, Majestic McGregor, who we talk about there when we played that music on my first trip with him. This was with him. And he said, I've got a Sheraton. He says, you, he says um, I'm on about selling it. He said, but why don't you, you borrow it for a bit? Because I was, I was whinging about my acoustic because it's big and it's old and it's shit. So I borrowed the Sheraton off him and I just thought, I'll plug it into the garage band and uh, I was just fucking away, Steve. Mm, mm, away, it just mm. came. It's a long time since I've sat down, because obviously the music I've done in recent years has been with you, which has been mm. you sending me these fucking landscapes and sonic vistas of just... And then me just going, right, fucking hell, what do I feel here? Right, mm. fucking write it, 
what do you think to that? Yeah, great. And we've made a lot of music, which we're going to get to. But this was the first time where I've sat down with a guitar or picked a guitar, fished some chords and gone, fucking hell, that, that's all right. And then put the chords in and then program some drums. And it's only in a little garage band, you know, and yep. then fuck about on the MIDI keyboard. And then three, four hours have gone by. And I've kind of, because I, as you know how I work, I fucking tend to be impetuous and rushed and... Ah. But I get to the end of it and there's something there. It's like, you know, there's a drum, there's a there's a guitar, there's a lick, there's a whatever, mm. a synth, and a vocal and a couple of layers because I can't not do layers of vocals. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's my Beatles vibes. And I thought, fucking hell, four hours are gone. And you know what? I was just gone then. I, and I remembered what it's like to just... Because I always have that... I don't know about you, but I always get like an hour and a half in and I think, oh, this is shit. <laughs> Anybody yeah, who makes yeah, music yeah. at home listening or watching, you, know, you do get that feeling because I get that feeling. I, I, at first, it's like, oh, them chords are great. That's mm. fucking great. Mm. Brilliant. Right, let's get a sound. What's that I sound? I've it for 80 times. Yeah. I was like, yeah. hang on a minute. No, get no. the sound on and then the I'm beat. Oh, this is, and, and, then I, and then, yeah, you start thinking... And, mm, Maybe I'm stuck on, like, oh, I need a synth line. I need some... God, oh, this is fucking... And then I could bail out. And once upon a time, I would have bailed mm. out. Mm. And I go, no, you know what? Just keep going. Something's happening. Mm. Just follow it. I never thought it was going to be, like, a mad Africana funk thing, but let's just keep going. And then, like, get towards the back end of it. I'm a bit more pleased and a bit more kind of belief in it. Yeah. Still not sure. Right, I'm going to bounce this down. I'll bounce it down, and I'll listen to it on a different system in a different room. <clears throat> and then listen thing that's not too bad mm. there's something in there there's a there's some that's not that's not near it. I nearly gave up on that there's something there if I was to do some more on that if I tidy that up if I re, re you know and like ah oh, and I did that every day for like two weeks and like just fucking loads of songs came out of me but it's also quite interesting how like in that initial time whatever I did first was kind of my go-to so as I spoke mm. about earlier, like, like the fucking six chords that I know. So it was like me writing my song again, just in a slightly different <laughs> variation, with a slightly different melody. Yeah, That was like the first one. And then I got, Dave got me listening to a lot of 90s kind of simple music, like grunge music and the Brian Jones, Brian Jones Towns Massacre, which I had totally missed the boat mm. on. Mm. Uh, I don't know how much you know about them, but Anton Newcomb, who's real... If if you're not ever so aware, I think you really oh. really enjoy him. He's such a, a liberating dude, and in an independent and in all, all of the things we've talked about tonight about expression and about not trying to refine it too much, but letting it be what it is and not killing it by making it live. You know, just anyway, I got well into his kind of philosophy as much as the music. Some really nice music as well, sort of two chord hanging grunge, shoegaze yeah. simplicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I, and then, that first bashing garage band with me just doing the same old thing kind of turns into like, oh, I'm just going to hang on this chord and see what happens. And then, <clears throat> as you well know, I'll write fucking way too many lyrics and way too many sections. And then all of a sudden, I'm just doing two lines, two lines, mm. and then and it's completely changed. So I'll be interested to get your feedback actually, see what you think. But as I go through, like, I get a little bit more brash, and then I start to really feel the pinch of the wider world. And then the BPM slow down. Start getting more mm. bass heavy, a lot more roomy, like darker, and it really does reflect. Like, see, because it was such a concentrated little period. Like, as I come back out the other end and kind of got through it, it's like, wow, fucking hell, them, them bits at the end really got like low, mm. Mm. you know, like, and that's where I was. I was quite low at that <clears> point, and I've had to sort of have a breath and just be with the family since then. But it's interesting how 
it's such a synergy between the expression of what you're feeling or how you're interpreting the world and what's coming through you, whether it's positive, negative, light, dark, whatever. And and for me on that little journey, it was a real kind of, it's weird because it's almost like I give myself a cheat or a get out because cause I'm at the wall of like what I know. I went the other way and just went really simple and just went to like yeah. one, one chord. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, you know, um, this is where I, I, I sort of fall, fall a bit foul sometimes of... of um, uh, I've got I've got a few friends who are very very accomplished musicians, you know, and and um, they're what I tend to fall out with them about is the fact that they, they, they there tends to be a hierarchy, as we all know, in 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 kind of musical opinion and um, and critique, and um, it, it, it it becomes very divisive and, and not very constructive. I think it's more reductive, and I think you know they ask, like like we said earlier, people come at music from different perspectives and if you get too technical about things you're going to always you end up being someone who says you know oasis the indie brick pops um era yeah. was was garbage because it was it was it was there was no yeah. there was nothing inventive about it it was regurgitation it was very very simplistic there was literally no more than four chords in any of those songs yeah. um and you know it's throwaway um sort of scrappy yeah, to be forgotten. Um, but I think a lot of these people missed a point. You know, it's not. It was never about being technical. It was about guys who, um, you know, who just were like us, really. Mm. Who um, just wanted to write songs to the best of their ability, whether it was two chords, whether it was seven, is irrelevant. Mm. And and it's kind of what they captured, yeah. um, lyrically mm. and holistically, and uh, the the sort of you know the the whole thing wrapped around that the the artistic sort of um integrity doesn't really need to be technically um taken apart it just needs to be well let's just look at it as to what it actually meant to people and yeah. and, and you know the audience and mm. and look how much it's revered now um yeah. i'm not the massive fan of all of it i think Britpop was a horrible um Term. silo to put it in yeah, yeah to be honest yeah. but um, whether, like I say, whether it's one chord I, or, or two, or whether it's um, you know, Zappa, who 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 cares? It's it's what it's whether it's authentic mm. is, is what is what counts to me, and you know it when when you hear it when it's authentic or not. Um, no, I agree with that. That's that's nicely put, and that is a Oasis seem to be a classic example for that that because they were so big. And because of the nature of the music they made, it often related to football terraces and there's a certain yeah. demographic. Yeah. But the, yeah. that universal reach was there, wasn't it? Mm. And the snobbery was always going to come down from the top because, you know, look what I'm doing over here, but nobody gives a shit. <laughs> or whatever is always yeah. going to be there. Um, okay, so let's let's bring Andronochrome into the mix because we know that you, it was you on your own, what, 12, 10, what, 2000 and... 11, 12. 11, 10, 12, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, so we're nine, ten years old. You you do Black Hawk, you sort of come back to your tracks, you get you get those two tracks, um, Mother Nature's Ashes and The Art of Conversation, which, by the way, I will link in at the bottom of here. Um, you might be able to find, you might be able to find, is that on Bandcamp? Uh, yes, yeah, I think it is, actually. Andren yeah. Yeah, Achrome, 
Aiden, uh, Mother Nature's Ashes, uh, Mother Nature's Ashes. That's the vape kicking in. Because um, what I think you're saying in the art of conversation and in both tracks actually is really depicts now and the culture of now. Mm. You know, and the throwaway fast food. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. Let's have a listen to this. I think you nail it. Science and Nature, that's it. That's the EP. Mm. Those lines across our faces need a little respect. And what's with all this plastic on your skin? Great. It's sort of gone that way as well, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that satirical tongue in the cheek, you know, mm. with a wink and a, a knowing. It's got that laziness of the back kind of... Yeah, there is a bit of... I mean, I'm a Beck fan. Um, well, I don't think in any way it's an... Inter- it's, it's just a... There's just a feeling of the... The nature of the song, literally. Yeah. I mean, it's Mother Nature's Ashes, but the nature of, like, the, you're, you're observing... You're observing and with a tongue in your cheek, mm. with this kind of <clears throat> funky, cool, laid-back vibe. I mean, that, that's that's where I'm getting it from. Yeah. See if you can find the art of conversation, uh, Aiden. Yeah, it's a tune. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that, I remember um, that coming out on... Uh, Tom Robinson used to play that quite a bit on Radio 6. Back in the day when he used to jump... He used to call me... Uh, tweet me on... On, when I was, when I did used to go on Twitter um, in the early days, he would um, he'd be very supportive actually, and he played that a few times. We believed in it, which is beautiful. Um, you wouldn't get that now, I tell you. It's uh, it's very difficult now to get anything played on radio. <clears throat> yeah, this is a bit more the acid beat that I'm. Mm. Yeah, for me, this was. Uh, Knowing you from afar, you know, this was like, fucking hell, he does this as well. <laughs> Jesus. You nailed it, Steve. <laughs> You nailed it eight, nine years ago. Just like 
Sweeping statements, losses. Fucking hell, if that doesn't depict now, then I don't know what does. Nice yeah, one, Aiden. Nice one. Um, so that goes out. You get some nice feedback, some belief. Mm. You bolster mm. that mm. kind of self-deprecating or, <clears throat> or self-loathing, which will come to loathing. Mm. Um, we have a single then. So you and I, somewhere down the line, you, you, you. We have a single coming out in the next couple of weeks. Somewhere down the line, you you some you get in touch with me, or I get in touch with you. I think first. I think I approached you first about doing something with you somewhere along the line. You, the band I was in, Lost Souls. You'd done some reviews and some writing for us on some of our stuff, and you mm. you liked our stuff and mm. you believed mm. in it. And uh, that when obviously I'd been listening to your stuff and respected you from afar um, greatly. And then when my band came to an end. I was kind of making probably similar to you at the Black Hawk point when Joe was born. I was kind of like, oh, my first boy's going to be born. I've been banging at this for however long. You know, we came close. It's not going to be the case. So I'm going to sort of buckle up for a dad ride kind of thing. <laughs> and I think I just shot shot one out to you to say, I think you got in touch saying, oh, what are the band doing? Are you doing anything? I was like, oh, that's where we are. But I'd love to do something with you. You know, one day let's do something. And I think I'd said that to you. And then that was that. Then a couple of years or whatever went by, things and this and that and the other. And I think we ended up doing something. We actually did something on the guitars first, yes. didn't we? Yes. Sonyata. Sonyata, yeah. yeah. Mm. Sonyata we did, mm. um, which was, again, you had some beautiful chords, songs put together. Um, you had some lovely songs written, finished, like... Um, what was the... What, uh, the, one of the, the first one you played me... Like f as a finished song, was it? Uh, was it break? Uh, it's fucking evading me now. Yeah, no, I think I know the only mean. Break, break. Uh, the melody's in there, but I can't remember the name of the track. I think you alluded to anxiety in that with uh, something to do with your mum coming down, uh, coming out of. What was it called? Big chorus. Mind state. Oh yes. Mind yeah, state. Yeah. Ding ding. It got a yes. lovely guitar lick in it. My mm. when you know you're gone. Yeah. That I remember mm. hearing that. I was like fucking hell. That's great. And then you had these other bits. And we did. And anyway, I was going to Thailand, wasn't I? I was yes. all putting away. Yeah. And we uh, we did a little farewell gig, and we mm. put Sonyart together, and we did a little online presence, and uh, we did a, a little gig and played. Well, I think we had four or five of our own tracks, didn't we? And uh, a couple Don't of covers. About. Yeah, we, <coughs> we did a couple of covers. We did. Um, oh God, who was it? We did a, we did a Radiohead one, didn't we? Uh, Karma Police. And Karma Police. Um, yeah. Oh God, who was that? Um, who was that band? In fact, Aiden, you might have karma, please. I think I sent you a Sonyata link in your text earlier. Sonyata Live, because that was the live gig we did. We did one gig because I was going away to Thailand and we just put on a little gig, didn't we? Like a farewell do. Um, yeah, we didn't... Um, someone record that as well. Yeah, I think if I sent so Aiden a link, it. if you can find the link, it's like 34 and a half minutes in. I think it's us doing Creep, something like that. I had a little listen to it earlier because I thought, fucking hell, that was 2014. That's, that's gone so quick. It, it has, yeah. I mean, that was it was two embrace, wasn't it? Um, um, 
a song called. Oh, what was that song called? Um, oh, the Turing Breaks cover was Average um, Man. Average Man, mm. yeah. Which is a lovely song. Oh, yeah, fantastic track. That it's a lovely song. Um, are you searching now? Yeah, if you now if you search, uh, so, I tell you what, search Sonia Alive. Yeah, eleven, ten, um, eleven, ten, fourteen. I didn't know you put it on the tube. Yeah, I just saved it on something. Just get rid of the uh, Sam and Steve stuff. There it is, look. Ah. There it is. So if you go to like 34 and a half minutes, somewhere there. Yeah, I can remember because it meant a lot to me, Steve, this gig, because obviously I had packed my bag to leave the world that I knew. Mm. So I wanted mm. to kind of distill it and, and capture it. That's us in the studio. That that yeah. would have been with Sim, wouldn't it? Yes. I think. Yeah. Average man, yeah. Just zip it along to 34 minutes, Aiden. 34 and a <coughs> half minutes, somewhere there. 34. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, this was emotional for me because I was leaving and I had friends coming from different parts of my life, you know, like friends I hadn't seen for years and raving friends and chaos friends and school friends. And mm. I remember that night. It was, uh... Yeah. Look at that head of hair there, Steve. On me, I'm admiring I mean. that to Barnet, actually. Well, it's hairy then. Mm. Yeah, this was creep then, yeah. No, no, that's not creep. No, this Karma. was Karma Police, Please. yeah. What else did we do? We did a Lennon cover, didn't we? Oh, yes. Mother. Mother. Mm. Mother. I think that was the last. That was the outro. Yeah. Um, encore track one. I think yeah, I think <laughs> I was subliminally leaving a message from your mother. <laughs> it was, uh, no, you belted that one out. It was um, really strong. So it's just you, you, literally that picture, just you, you on a guitar and me mm. singing, wasn't it? Back to basics. Yeah, nice one, Aidan. That'll do us there. So we ended up um, we ended up doing that gig which was great and we collaborated and got in the room and played which was nice because again all things considered in this conversation so far you respect someone's music you respect someone's vibe you expect someone's artistic approach do you want another beer? that's bloody nice that beer yeah yeah we'll have a bit of that fella please oh share one Steve yeah yeah we um Getting in the room together was was just nice, you know. I, th I think um, just on that point, actually, um, <laughs> what I remember from that time was um, we. It was actually me, I think, who reached out to you saying, "Hey, you know, what you're up to?" Because um, mm. I knew you'd you'd um, parted ways with um, lost souls. Lost souls. Thank you. Um, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe you know, we could do something. Um, I had a few knocking around with a few ideas, <clears throat> but I do what I remember uh, quite instinctively is that when we first got to jam in the studio, we probably spent an hour and a half just talking like this, and then we'd do probably 15 minutes of rehearsing. <laughs> and, and it, but, but you know, it felt just great doing that. You know, yeah. it was like we, we had a lot of so we were sharing a lot of thoughts on things back then, you know, it was, mm. um, and it was a kind of way I think of us 
just um you know sort of building that um understanding and, and trust between us mm. where you you know you feel like you can again relax and let that creative process come let, out naturally out, yeah. um so yeah yeah and uh sorry i'm I inter interjecting no not there. at all no it's, it's nice to hear your your end of the the deal because i was it was a mad time for me because so much of me leaving the uk um hinged on what i'd wanted to do with music you know i didn't know it at the time but when it came to the crunch of like we've lost souls because we did have some interesting and very close to the bone situations happen you know where mm. things could have happened and then when it didn't for me, timing is everything. You know, there's five kids had been born and fucking mortgages had been taken left, right and centre and blah, blah, blah. It's like seven-year cycle, which I, I'm a believer in this cyclical kind of nature of things. And I just felt like, you know what, I knew that we were good enough to have, you know, succeeded and, and, and put music out there and got it to people on a, mm. on a wide scale. We were good enough, you know. Mm. And I could sleep with that. And that's why I felt empowered enough to go, do you know what? It's next stage. Like, I don't know what it is, but I've got to let go of this because we've done seven years and it's going to be a long slog now to try and do something. And with the kid, it just didn't, it's not going to work. Mm. It's going to be hard. You know, it's harder and harder to rehearse now because of what's happening. So never mind trying to kind of reinvent or at least restructure or rebuild our, you know, trajectory. So for me, leaving to go to Thailand and leaving was like, I had to come to terms with like, okay, well, I really am just going to be tinkering and it's not like I'd gone through my life thinking, oh, I'm going to be the next Mick Jagger. I mean, that was in there, but like, it's not until you stop something that you realise, oh, fuck, you know, and then I realise, oh, God, I am just a builder now, like, in Lincoln, in this industry that's just getting swamped by health and safety. And, like, there is actually that little side road out that I was, you know, pinning mm. my mm. escape on. It's like, I've just sh I've just shut that off myself. Yeah. So, like, the reality is here. So when I left for Thailand and kind of, I, I was making peace with, like, music as a, at the time, thinking, oh, this is part of me that's dying. Like, I'm not I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to fiddle about on my own. Little did I know, it didn't, didn't need to work like that. And um, off I went to Thailand, having the Sonyata thing kind of echoing in the back of my thing. Fucking hell, some great songs. There. I remember driving around in Thailand in the first few weeks and we had, we'd been in the studio and recorded four of our tracks from Sonyata, didn't we? Um, the Walls in This Place Are Made of Love, that's right. Mind State, yeah. um, I think. Uh, Return to the Dirt and, and another one. Mm, mm. And I can remember listening to them driving around in town and thinking, fucking hell, you know, these might be the best things that I've been part of and I've just fucked off, <laughs> you know, and I've all this confusion. <laughs> yeah, man. And thinking like, you know, because when we did Walls in this place, I was like, fucking, this is like Simon and Garfunkel. This yes. is like this mad yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. dancing mm. kind of fucking hell. There's mm. all sorts mm. of wonderful stuff happening there. Mm. And I do, I remember thinking, oh, this is great, but like, what have I done? And then coming to, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, however long goes by, and you, I get an email from you saying, look, how are you doing? Hope everything's cool. I've jumped back on the, you know, the, the analogue. Um, I've got this idea. Mm. Do you, would you would you be up for putting <clears throat> something on it? I think it just wants like a bit of a vocal, whatever you think, you know, just see what yes, you think. yeah. And I think that was New Beginnings. Aye, yeah, it was. You sent yeah. me a couple, but mm. it was New Beginnings I think I did first. And at the time I was watching Peaky Blinders. And you had, the, and it just had this, this was really familiar. And that you've got a crafty way of doing this. You can make like digital music. I always refer to it as like, it's like retro future because you managed to encapsulate something that's meaningful from the past. Something, some of these signatures of 
good melody and good arrangement and good architecture and whether you're doing it with a guitar or whether you're doing it with beeps and bleeps you know it's it's you capture it and it comes to me and it's really familiar and then and I remember thinking, God, this isn't my usual boat. This, you know, I'm out of my depth here. As much as I appreciate Andronicone from afar, I've only ever made like guitar music. Mm. I've never mm. been a DJ. I've never, you know, I loved house music, loved hardcore, but I never envisaged making anything. So then I thought, you know what, this is pretty cool because I'd take it. The only thing I had kept from my life's work was my guitar and my little Mac and my monitors. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was like, oh, Alex, <clears throat> Steve sent me a track. And the other thing that was happening for me was like how bizarre it is to be on the other side of the world now and retain conversation in real time on fucking FaceTime or whatever, or get an email. I'd get an email from you and get the little golden envelope in my inbox thing. Oh, brilliant. That's a song. And then yeah, I would plug yeah. the song in and then I would sing on the song and send it back to you. And you'd yeah. go, yeah, that's great. It's great. I'm going to mix that and I'll send you. And then I get it back and you've mixed it in. And oh, wow. So I remember thinking, all oh, right, this is just an, as much as I'm not sure sonically where I'm going here, mm. let's just have a whirl. And then we did that, and mm. I sent you something back, and you were like, oh, wicked, that's great, nice one. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll try and do a little visual for it. We'll do mm. a little video mm. for it, because then it'll carry better on the internet. <clears throat> and then you emailed me back, a, however, a few weeks, whatever, I don't know what the timeline was, but you were like, you know, you've got six music and all that out there. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you have to put it on on fucking Saturday, because Tom Robinson's show, they're going to mm. play They're mm. going to play that track. And I was like, I'm sorry, my garden in Thailand, like, <laughs> listening to this cacophony of fucking jungle life looking at a mountain thinking what have I done what have I done like I'm living in Thailand my little boy's running around in nappy I'm you know it's 10 o'clock at night <laughs> it's there's, surreal, there's, there's cobras yeah. in yeah. my garden and shit <laughs> and then it just I'm having a beer and a smoke and like you you message me that and I think Alf, and I chuckle to myself I think how mad is it eh? I kind of make peace with okay I didn't make it in music that sounds like a strategy yeah mm. kind of mm. summarization but it's not you know it's like uh, you know my dream to make music and to somehow follow this path is mm. i've kind of made peace of it and i've fit i haven't done it and now and i've made peace of it and i feel strong for that and i can sleep at night because my music was great but I'm, here i am i'm brave and i'm going into this new world and then i'm sat here and you know i've emailed back and i've got i managed to make music with one of my mates from lincoln from asia and without any clinging or longing or <clears throat> fucking loading it with like we'll get a gig there and then we'll do that and then we're just like oh no he sent me something that's ace i get to say make some music from asia to with my mate mm. and then it's like a message oh it's going to be on bbc six music and play it blah 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 and i'm sat in the garden and then track two comes on and tom robinson or whatever it was gives it the you know this is blah 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 and i'm like fucking hell <laughs> that's weird i sang that in this little fucking room mm, mm. in Bangsaray, you know in yeah, thailand yeah, in yeah. a fishing village provenance of thailand <laughs> and it's getting played on bbc six music in london in england where i spent my whole fucking life trying to get music onto the radio <laughs> and this thing's happened seven thousand miles away now. yeah and, and and so much was happening for me within that you know like was enveloped in the whole thing of being away from people but still being with them because of the internet and and all of that stuff and like some of my friends were messaging me who didn't realize that i'd gone because i was so active still on facebook and whatever mm. with andrenochrome so i'm pumping videos out and put you know so people mm. are kind of like you know who you haven't seen since school they still mm. think you're in north icon or wherever the foot you are but you're not you're in bangsara it's such yeah. a bizarre thing it was it's like we we're still active so we we're making more music than ever <coughs> So that yes. was the start of the journey for me coming in. 
So I'd like to, it'd be interesting for me to hear from you. So when you sort of reach out to me and say, you know, what, what about singing a couple of bits on these songs and what have you? And I do. Obviously, that's, that can be a fork in the road. That can be like, oh, yeah, nice one. Or no, this isn't going to work. So yeah. obviously something worked. So did it give, I'm anticipating how I would be with it. Is it, is it like, um, you mentioned, you alluded to earlier, kind of the idea that you'd pass it on to somebody and you get that little lift. I know when I, when somebody else contributes something, it kind of takes away a little bit of that responsibility and you can enjoy it more because it's not just from you, you know, if, if it marries. Yeah, yeah. If it marries. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and I think, um, so So that time, yeah, you, you'd gone to Thailand, pissed off to Thailand. Oh, great. I just, just thought we were getting something together. <laughs> and, you know, you couldn't get further away if you wanted, you know. So I thought, well, what am I going to do now? You know, I sort of slumped down in my chair a bit, you know, figuratively speaking, and tried to work out my next move. And then and, and how it came about really, I think, was um, a friend of, of, of my wife, Sarah, um, her boyfriend, Ben, was... Uh, had a, he came round... They came round one night for, you know, for some food and that and uh, stayed over. And he goes, oh, I've got a free... I've got a crack copy of Logic, um, Logic X, if you want it. I was like, well, I've never used Logic. I've always been Cubase. And I'm boring people probably listening, but this is a sequence of software um, called a digital audio workstation. Right? <laughs> D-A-W. Uh, yeah. yeah. And anyway, we burned, you know, put it on my Mac and um, that was it. He left me to it. And so I started asking about with it for, a, you know, for a while. And I thought, Jesus, this, this, this is just like the workflow and everything about it was, was just really... Um, tuned in to being creative so i thought i think i quite fancy making some more electronic music but maybe a little bit more um more sort of four to the floor stuff really rather than the previous androidochrome which is quite slow and introspective and a bit like you you know <coughs> sort of the beck vocal i thought no that's i don't think i want to go down that road anymore i kind of want to change direction and so I made a load of stuff, and um, some of it was was okay, you know. But um, again, um, I put it out on an, another Androchrome sort of um, album, which was uh, really a bunch of demos. And and you and that and New Beginnings was on that as well as another track called Golden Gates. If Golden you remember Gates, that. yeah, that was that which was, was a great track. But it, the thing I didn't do with that was I should have I should have really taken that away, knowing what I know now. Um, that could have been much better mixed and produced, but you know, and so there were demos, but um, and 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 that sort of was was the next round of Andrenochrome, and I don't think I should have released that. I should have hold, held on to them and thought they're ideas. Let's not put them out. And but it's a learning process, and I think I know where this might be going. And so after that, that was kind of like twenty, 50, 20 or thirty tracks in. Mm out came some more stuff and that was kind of like um the early stuff we released properly um which was uh, what was the first one we did about the radio one play that was um, so we got we got so for the timeline for people so in that year that i was gone in accordance with the timeline you've just put there steve you know new beginnings the, the album with the the 10 10 mm, tracks mm, mm. I think I featured on like three of them as, as Sam Souls. Yes, that's right. So three I came in on um, something. For, something is nothing. Golden Gates and New Beginnings. I think 
and did videos for them and um, New Beginnings got plays and uh, on BBC Six Music and stuff happened. And as you say, I was away. Then it was only a year and I was coming back because it didn't work out oh, and people yes, who follow right. the podcast yeah. know. Yeah. So in that time, we were kind of ticking over on them anyway and you'd had that vibe. So when I got back, I remember by the time I got settled, I think we we caught up, obviously, and it was like, you know, should we go in a room and have a fuck about and a mm. fiddle about with this? And I think by then the Skywalker had been done. Mm. I think we'd I'd done a vocal on Skywalker in Thailand and that turn that you're mm. talking about had started to happen and I demoed that. Then we went in the room and then it was like, okay, let's kick on. And then we, we hit the ground running at that point, didn't we? And I think we had... BBC introducing jumped on us mm. uh, locally and really championed us and really got behind us and um, they, there's a lineage for people who, who follow any of that stuff you know budding bands out there you know you get you get into your your, your local regional uh, BBC introducing and that whole platform is about peer review I guess and people giving you the nudge and you go up to the the, the 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 wider area and then eventually you might get down to the radio one for the plays on there and then who knows what <clears throat> and we got to the radio one level at which point we got contact from uh, a label didn't we down mm. south mm. um cutler rock mm. with the rockstar label who are part of or originate from the skint culture yes you know the big, big beat, beat. big beep situation, and then that was like, whoa, cool. He he, he really liked it, and there was talk of him sort of stepping stone into skin and all sorts mm. of things. Anyway, we signed with Rockstar, didn't we? Mm. And we had a little deal, and um, yeah, I think Follow had been played on Radio One. We'd had stuff on BBC Six Music, and we were like, fucking hell, making tunes mm. and all sorts of. You know, you were sending stuff over that was kind of all within this field, but it's moving everywhere. It's really exciting, really exciting. But I'll, you know, you you jump back in there, Steve. We kind of we did some early those early those early stuff when I got back, and we were probably still finding off finding our sound, weren't we? Would you say? I think yeah. I think that I think that was when the penny dropped. I think um, for me personally, I think um, we we found a formula where you, it was kind of. It was a bit more than just, um, and this, this is what um, Lee always said about us. Who was our label manager? Was was like you, you, you've kind of you're connecting two different worlds almost, where you're you bring in, um, you know, sort of song and and smashing it together with um, you know with with force of the floor dance music. And but if you if you listen, if you if you kick back and listen a little bit more. There's there's something a bit deeper in there as well for the ones who want to do that. <clears throat> you know, it's not all you can go out and 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 sort of and hook, jive. And hook line and sinker, yeah. yeah. Or you can you can listen to it in your cans on on your on your commute or or in your in your you know your personal quiet space, and and you can you can hear Sam sort of um, pontificating on all kinds of different cosmic things. So you know, I, I liked that. I, I love that feedback, um, mm. and I think on on that first release. Which was um, what Lee released, which was oh the first track we put out with Rockstar was um, dun, 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 yes dun. Uh, fucking what's it called, Steve? We're not we're, good, we? we're not good at the industry side of this, are we? Um, fucking hell! I'm gonna find it because I've completely forgotten. Oh my god! Ding, 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 ding. I remember because it was, for me anyway, lyrically, it was a lot to do with like psychedelic 
Fucking hell. Trip with me. Yes, thank, thank you. Psychedelic. Oh, yeah. Trip with me. Yeah, yeah. trip yeah, with so me. So Lee pulled that out as a first promo, and the feedback was kind of like, "This is like Underworld. How Underworld should, should sound now," which is what I thought was fucking hell. We'll take that. Complete, yeah, I thought, yeah, I love that, and I'll, I'll, I'll drink it and do everything I can with it. Mm. Um, uh, that was that was a fabulous uh, sort of um, bit of feedback we got, and and it did feel like um, you know that was definitely where it was at. You know. Um, so it felt like we were in a, we, we we'd sort of, I think we'd cracked it there. We would sort of nailed the the direction we were going in and the sound, and then sort of more stuff came out the back of that. And we had a bit of a purple patch, didn't we, of um, mm. of, of creativity where we were not probably twenty tracks together over a, a space of two years, mm. um, <clears throat> and then we started to think about um, you know Lee released another couple of singles, I think, yeah, um, over that time. Um, unfortunately, he was embroiled in personal issues and then started to work for one. He got work with Ronnie Size as, that was as it, label yeah. manager, didn't he? And Ronnie Size yeah. basically took took him and um, took him on as basically his label manager. And, and that was and, him full time up up to his neck in yeah. organising full cycle, wasn't it? So he he couldn't commit to us anymore, and we we kind of saw the um, reward for the trees anyway on that, and, and, and smelt the coffee and everything else. So that's when we decided we'd we'd go rogue and, and set up our own label, didn't we? Mm. Um, Electric Hush, and it was a you know a kind of again a probably a bit of a an ambitious uh, strategy, but you know what else? I think it is. Uh, it's all you've what got else now. Can you do? Mm. Yeah, and I think everyone's at that point now in in music today. You know, it's it's kind of like there's no there's no direct connection or any kind of interface between when con- you know people who make quality music. And and the, and the offering it in the you know in in the Market in the market, yeah. there's no direct link at all. You've got all these platforms like SoundCloud and wherever else you you know all these other platforms. You can put it on Spotify. You can put it anywhere you want. Um, but there's no there's still no direct interface into the public uh, mm. domain. You know, mm. and that's where the gap is, and and that's where. Um, the va- well, the vacuum is really, and and also where all the the, the sharks are, as we learn. Fucking hell, yeah! It's a different, a tough way, different yeah, game way. now, isn't it? You know, mm. because we have that exciting meeting where we go. Do you know what? We we get it, like you say, with with the label. They're busy. We've got to crack on. You know, so let's do it ourselves anyway. So we put together an electric hush, which was exciting to do. And yeah, you spend a few quid, but fuck it. You know, we're not jet skiing away or motocrossing or whatever you know mm. people spend money doing their mm. shit so let's do it and we did it and we did it well and we did a good job of it and it stands to this day and um you know that gap that you talk of for me what was mesmerizing to me having a few years out of the game from the lost souls days and i've told the story about lost souls i think even recently on the sean atwood podcast where i mentioned you know when we went to uh head of a and r jody camage at, at Kensington there for Universal he was like look let me give you an example here's the box of CDs everybody sends me there's a great one there's a brochure there's a fucking someone scribbled on the CD he said look turned his screen round went on YouTube and said this lad here has got a million hits mm, mm, mm. you know so that whole world was changing mm, mm. you know and by the time we got to Andronicon we're going right okay let's fucking let's do this I found myself on a crash course of how to do social media Yeah. hashtag yeah, this yeah. fucking Tag them, connect this, fucking mention them, <clears throat> mm. at fucking so-and-so, who made it? Oh, Macintosh, mm. Moog. Mm. Like, fuck me. And, and yeah. 
because my how I work is I try and absorb myself. Okay, what is the you know the ground works here? I need to know it, and then once I know that, I can work my way out. I'm so deep in that, thinking, "Fucking hell, this is this is like it's soul destroying for me." Yes, it's yeah, it is. It's soul destroying, and I'm you know. I'm the mm. the impetuous. I'm the scrappy do of us, let's say. <coughs> so I'm like, right, fucking, let's get in there, and you know, I enjoy making video and all that stuff anyway. So that bit's cool for me, but even for me, it was like such a drag. Mm. And I was thinking, this is no longer about the music. Like we've got great music here, mm. and it doesn't matter how great it is, because it's just a fucking minefield of like, we'll promote you and get you a fucking X amount of play, you know, and you get these Spotify promo only and this and that and the other and this many listens and. You just lose your way. Yeah. You lose your yeah. way. Yeah, you do, you do. And and I think um I don't know, we fell into a we fell into a bit of a a trap of, of being told and, and dictated to by by um various people who had invested interests obviously because they were um who was the guys we were with who did our first distribution? Um I can't remember the name. Who's that guy? Lee somebody who's on Twitter and tells everyone that they can be earning huge amounts of money from... Oh, from God. The, yeah. And the guy talks also, and I'm not going to say his name on on, on, mm. on your show, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who talk... Um, the talk. Complete fantasy. They talk mm. the talk, right? Mm. Um, and, and they sell... They sell, a, they sell a, they, they tell a great story about how, you know, you as an independent artist can be successful now. It's, it's all open to you. You know, you've just know You've got to plough the field. It's there. All the tools are there. We'll enable you. It's sort of, it's sort of, it's just mm. fantasy. It mm. really is fantasy. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, when you're hungry for it, you, 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 you just, it's music to your ears, you know. It's what you want to hear, mm. so you think, okay, yeah, mm. let's hedge our bets. Um, and by the time, you know, you've gone through that process, you know, probably halfway through it, it's, it, it's just, you, you've been... Duped. You've been clobbered again, you know. I think we got that quite early on, so uh, we switched to a different distributor. But you know, even so, that doesn't really change things. Mm. Um, and, and you know, you realise then that there's so much to navigate, and there's so many people out there keen to take everything you've got financially, promise you the moon on a stick, and and ultimately, it doesn't work. Mm. It just doesn't work, mm. and. I don't care what anyone says out there and what stories they tell. There's people every day I see coming up on Facebook um, and, and Twitter and social media saying that, you know, I, I discovered this artist and I made them, um, you know, they, they're now getting 50,000 plays a day on on, um, on Spotify. But it's, it's all bullshit because mm. when you start to look behind all that, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not actually true. Mm. Um, and this is what I find... Really, really. I mean, I suppose the industry has always been like that to a degree. But well, it mirrors again, like I was saying earlier, Steve. About for me, like the music industry is kind of like a precursor to like where we are in the wider world of just profit and ownership yeah. and contract mm-hmm. and fucking expression and mm. everything's just so business orientated now. You know, and this is why yeah. I love yeah. finding the Brian Jonestown massacre in the last couple of months because. <clears throat> like schooling myself with Anton Newcomb who again spiritually there's like an energy coming through him that reminds me so much of my friend Wade who I lost last year and Wade 
Wade was a big fan of this band, which I now know in retrospect when I think back to the times we listened to records and the things he quotes and even looking at Anton, how much Wade took from him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's famed for his output. I'll, I will put you onto him because I think you'll really take from him. Famed for his output and also kind of being a kid who should have been in the 60s because his, his ear for just that 60s vibe music, the sound, the authenticity of the sound, um, the authenticity of melody, lyric, everything, like to do that simple thing so well, like it should have been like the band from the 60s that you didn't hear, as well as going into the shoegaze and that American sort of opiate thing. But he always was like self-destructive in the sense that like we all want our music to get to as many ears as possible but he couldn't bear the idea of this of the industry of ownership of contract of trying to get the hi-hat right six months down the line he was just like that's the expression i'm not going to make it perfect it is what it is it's it's a moving kind of it's a living organism yes yeah yeah, yeah, and it's expression um, at this moment and he was his output 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 so i've really enjoyed Really enjoyed listening to him, and he's been a long time in the game, and they're still really successful. And they've got probably a million monthly, whatever fucking. But he always kept his music available for free. He utilized every option, you know. Mm. Used the internet, mm. didn't shy away from it. He wanted a luddite, but he played it smooth and played it tight with the the record execs. I mean, the Dandy Warhols. They've got a documentary called Dig. For people who might be intrigued or may or may not know, there's a, there's a film called Dig. I think it's like early 2000s. Made them huge because the Dandy, I think it's uh, the Dandy Warhols who produced actually the, the film about them. And it's a load of footage over a load of years from their early days. And it, they're like, they're them and the Dandy Warhols are, are sort of close. Right. Right. And the Dandies obviously went big, didn't they, mm, with Bohemian mm, Like mm, You and all that. And um, I think, was it 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia or something, that record? <clears throat> yeah, yeah and um yeah. anton t- sort of is very yeah he's visionary and you see like he, how he talks about how you rise and fall to the the shout of capital records or whatever it was mm-hmm. so check dig out if you if you do come across it but for me he's been um in my little renaissance of at least just making music for my own personal thing it's been really refreshing getting that perspective back and knowing that those people are out there yeah, that's encouraging. It's encouraging, and there's a lot of stories like that, I think, as well. Mm. Um, and there's there's two there's two ways of looking at that, I suppose. If you take that away and dissect it, and that is, people like him um, have been measured about it and and realised that they'd rather play the long game, really, and and rather than go for the the fanfare and the spoiled and the early sort of mm. uh, meteoric rise, you know, like the Dandy Warhols, mm. who who've kind of shot through the atmosphere back yeah. down again and yeah. never seen since you know mm. where he's played the long game mm. he's brought his fans on that journey with him he's become a very tight traditional um, mm. artist fan relationship that's authentic and people know it when they see it mm. and when they hear it so yeah they do um, they don't need to be oversold it and I think where the thing I take from where you know what we experience which is very kind of at the bottom end of the rung you know is that, and we've had time to reflect and I think about it now and it doesn't bother me now because, you know, I've moved on and, 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 and <clears throat> we've still made some, what I consider some some quality um, quality material. Um, and I've had time to think and reflect on it and think, well, yeah, I think my probably, my probably intention from the start was to 
we should probably do this the long game way and not think about mm. sub, you know submitting to the hashtag and 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 the, and the playlist and and the kind of the the machine of mm. building up and hyping the hype machine. Hype, the machine. hype machine. It is the hype fucking <coughs> machine. And it is. And, and having to pay to play and all these kind of horrible, horrible things that fundamentally I just go against everything in my They do. They rip it all apart at the seams, don't they? That magic, yeah. that moment, that <coughs> that healing yourself by picking the instrument up and putting those words on the paper and creating a melody or creating a sound that somebody else hears and goes, Fucking hell, that's lovely, then turns into the it ends, enters mm. the machine. And then it, it all distorts and yeah, breaks. It mangles it all up and it comes out the other side like a rotten corpse. And, <sighs> it, and it's, you know, that's a, and, that, and that's kind of where Andronicone comes from. An interesting link because Hunter S. Thompson talks, there's, there's a very, very famous thing, you know, paragraph he talks about the music industry, the long, shallow money trench. I won't quote it verbatim because I can't yeah. remember it. <laughs> it's full of but, it's full of robbers yeah, and thieves, yeah, and, and yeah, you know, yeah. and they're just the good guys. Yeah, you know? and and that's kind of that plays into that, and it's so true. He was well, right, I, I'm you know? I'm really pleased you said that because as we've experienced with a couple of trolls, you know, Andronochrome <laughs> in the current climate in the last few years, you know, I think a lot of people um, associate Andronochrome. Mm with elite fucking mm. witchcraft mm. and fucking child killing and all yeah, sorts of stuff, yeah. right? Which blew me completely. Well, but that's a phenomenon, like you, you've said yourself, this band was named that 10 years ago, okay? Yeah, based mm. on what you've just said, the Hunter S. Thompson vibe, the adrenaline molecule, <clears> the <throat> fucking idea that, you know, you've switched on for the thing. Mm. As, as conspiracy theories or at least online chat, let's call it, sort of develops, I think there's a lot of kind of top shelf one line um, understandings of things so mm. we had a couple of American guys just hitting us didn't they say you know great music but you know why you can't Andronicum do you realise you know that, that you, you're blood sucking children killing blah 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 and I'm like oh no mm. right I get it because you've watched a fucking whatever you've just watched about fucking Jacob Rothschild eating a child yeah okay get it but like there's just a lot more going on here so it's a look in, into it so mm, we've mm. experienced some of that haven't we but um, I had it recently uh, I just went on Sean Atwood's podcast which is a big podcast in the mm, UK you know mm. and there's been thousands and thousands of views and we talk about music we talk about everything mm. and uh, one of the comments was you know blah 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 Angelica and I'm like god man yeah yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it was such an um, bloody um, emotive uh, well, it's common conspiracy theory because I mean I, I promoted one of our videos. I think it was um, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been um, not not Burn the Witch, but um, the one after. All the stars explode. Not. Oh yes, it was that. Yeah, it was that. Right. It was that track, and I, I I promoted that on on Facebook. I did quite a targeted campaign. I thought, <clears throat> and um, I had. About ten comments on there, amongst others, all gunning for for us. Yeah, saying, "Look at these these these, these you know these guys are weirdos. They're, they're into they're, they're obviously into um, child exploitation." Yeah. I thought I've got to delete this. I had to, I had to take it down. Mm. Um, 
because I just thought I can't handle this. No, I'm not, I'm not doing this. This, this, yeah. is, this is getting ridiculous. So I, I took it down in the end. But it's one of those sweeping kind of top line conspiracies, like the darkest of the dark. You know, mm. that's the bit where all this money laundering and all this control and all this fucking fake moon landings it all ends with eating a kid, mm. <laughs> which it may well do, mm. right? Yeah, but. Andronochrome was named out of <laughs> out of much more philosophical and wondrous, you know, than the the, the last five years internet kind of fodder. Yes. Um, which brings me on to where we are now, as you've taken us on that journey, Steve. You know, we were in two thousand and nineteen. Mm. We were kind of like putting the live show together, weren't we? And, mm. and we'd set up the record label, Electric Hush. We'd put out some singles off our own back. We were slugging it out on our own and building towards going out live and putting some dates together and hitting some festivals, and it was looking good. And we did our first festival, which was the 2Q Festival. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned Working Men's Club. We played on the festival with those guys. They were on there, and there were some big bands. Um and it went really well. We got kind of bundled in last minute and we got put in like a garage band kind of venue, didn't we? With a load of like, you know, guitar band, sort of Route mm, 1 bands. Mm, and here mm. we were popped up in the middle, kind of like this weird Depeche Mode kind of um, Daft Punk amalgamation of Joy Division. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of it all, and we actually mm. got a really cool response. It kind of took yeah. people by surprise, didn't it? It did, yeah, yeah. We got. Um, <clears throat> I, I was quite nervous about that when, when we got there. I thought, I don't know if this is the right <laughs> venue to be doing this. No. Um, we were right, like you say, we were right amongst. Um, you know, um, there was there was a, a sort of youngish sort of shoegaze band on before us, and <clears throat> and, then, and then after no, not before they 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 were there when we were playing when we, we turned up with all the gear. And then there was this kind of um, uh, sort of death, I wouldn't say death metal band, but they were sort of very, very hardcore, mm. hardcore metal band. Metal punk, I don't, I don't know, I'm just throwing, you know, John mm. was in, into a... Just, just pull up Andronochrome on Instagram, uh, Aiden, and, I, and there is, I think I did, I did a little video of this gig. Um, yeah, it was, it was... Yeah. It was a so I, I, yeah, strange thing to be thrown in on. I was kind of, yeah, it was, and I thought, scouting around, thinking, I'm not sure this is going to go down very well at all. So the anxiety builds up. I thought, oh, no, you know, we'll be all right. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to do it. And um, the next thing I know, we were on. Yes. And I'm looking up, and the whole place is packed, and there's people Bop move, him. moving on the floor. You know, mm. I thought, okay, you know. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I came out of there thinking... Well, we got a load of people. We got stopped by people, which is always a nice thing. If you scroll down, in fact, we ended up in Jim's record shop that day. Yes. Keep going down, um, which was nice. Keep going, I think, he says. Too cute, it might be. Keep going up, back up. There, there, look, yeah, that, that oh, yeah, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> yes. So this was yeah. gig day. That's in this very studio, Steve. Before it was a podcast studio. Someone said I looked like you and Klopp, didn't they? Yes, you came into it. You uh, did. You looked like you and Klopp on a weekend. Mm. Oh, oh, the audio's messing about. Here we go. Loading up. Tour bus. 
we, we were really chuffed as well, weren't we? We were really like thinking, mm. fucking hell, we haven't got hardly any gear. It's great, this is. Went lugging shit all yeah. over the place. Just got one load of gear. That, that sign's still proud in this place, look. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so these guys had just watched like a pretty, like you say, metal band. Not this kind of music. No, this was, uh, must have been a massive curveball, really, if you think about it. <laughs> Jesus. This track playing is uh, Wall of Silence, mm. which again, Steve, you nailed the internet and the echo chamber. Mm. So I think we cut to live in a minute. Yes. This kind of music needs lights, it needs atmospheres. And well, we nice went on to watch uh, Working Men's Club, didn't we? Nice one, Aidan. Yeah. We went on to watch Working Men's Club, and I'd said to you, like, because I think I'd talked to the promoters and was trying to wangle us into into that venue because I'd been there, and it would have been perfect for mm. us, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you wanted. If I mean, we'd have been in there, have, no. oh, those lights, that rig, that stage, that darkness, that low ceiling, that mm. just... That's the place for that kind of music. But we did well, you know, we, at the end of the day, we got put in where we got put in, and we... There's nothing better than when there's a sizable crowd, which there was, not just in that place, but in and around the place, and you're mooching through, and it's one of these kind of uh, kind of great escape kind of gigs, isn't it, where all the venues are taken over in the town, and yeah. you can go to different venues at different times to see different bands. And multiple people stopping and saying, hey, look, mate, I'm from Barnsley, and I saw you. You were in that pub earlier, weren't you? And I thought that were really good, mate. I weren't expecting that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a lot of that, and I, I think and that... Like, nice one. I think... I think um, to be honest, we, um, you know, nobody knew who we were. We, you know, that's what we, that, that's where you cut your teeth in. That, in, in mm. You know, it, it's, um, and it, it's sort of against all my um, sort of an anticipations. It worked. And, mm. and there was a there was a really nice vibe after it. And we got, mm. and it gave you that little buzz. And I thought, well, if we can do it in a place like this where there's, there's kind of no, yeah. there's nothing else to enhance what we're doing. There's a dartboard behind us. You need a dartboard behind us. Yeah, there's, there's a fucking frying pan and a, you know, yeah. a little mini oven with yeah. two hot plates on it. You know, you couldn't get any more kind of, you know, domestic than that. And where was in it, you know, without all that and a load of visuals and lights. Yeah. Come yeah. on, it's, it, yeah. it, it's right for it. So, you know, we were, we were I think off the, off the back of that, we were thinking, mm. let's try and uh, let's push for another one in 2020 yeah. And, yeah. and then step it up to a... And then we arrived where we arrived, don't we? Which is yeah. fucking, you know, everybody knows the story from then on. So I think we're, we're coming back to what you'd said about those 20 odd tunes that we'd done and we'd probably mixed with George Schilling, you know, we've mixed a record's worth, haven't we? 12, 13 tracks we've mixed and mastered and got to as good as they're going to be in, in a sonic setting. And we've released, I think we've we done five or six tracks at this point. So this Fear and Loathing is our seventh. Okay, so if you pull eight. up Spotify, Aidan, on Drenochrome on Spotify, um, so I think 
coming back to that legacy, coming back to that timestamp, you know, I feel like we just release the songs mm. just because mm. we've done them. We've written them, we've expressed yeah. them, we've mixed them, we've slaved over them and we just put them out and then mm. there's going to be a day in the future. We might, we might end up being a bit like uh, Nick Drake, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, and, that's it. There's a load of kids in the future in two generations' time go, fucking hell, have you heard this band on Jericho? I think... Um, uh, we had um, yeah so there we go look what we've got we've got show we had Dibby Ghost remix uh, Burn Your Witch and yeah which went down great the Dibby Ghost remix which powerful Ollie and Tommy who've been in and done done the um, podcast good friends of ours that got put on that was on some kind of compilation that got mm. put on like a quite a widespread compilation that Burn the Witch remix mm. Wall of Silence I think that's you on the vocal that track is just fucking, you just nailed the current climate of internet culture and everybody's voice just bellowing at everybody else and you nailed that. Power of Nightmares, which was our first uh, release under our label, wasn't it? Mm. And we did the video with 40 Miles West, which was cracking, which mm. Mm. recently got used with the Sean Atwood um, advert or trailer. Yeah. Burn the Witch, which was bang moody, mm. perfect mm. timing for me signing off my ex-missus. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I'm really proud of them, and and I, I think we've got there in this conversation. You know that feeling that you want. You obviously you want to get your music to as many ears as possible, and you want it to be. You want someone to take something lovely from it, positively, or whatever the fuck it is. But I really am at a point now where the world is. Who fucking knows what's going on with the world? And mm. just knowing that we can go there, and that music's there, it is there. People will find it. People will listen to it. People will take from it. You know, and we can go back to it as well. That means a lot to me. Because we've all got an hard drive of a shitload of music on, haven't we, somewhere. I've got those demos and I've got yep. those nearly finished songs. And that, like I said to you earlier, one day Joe's going to come downstairs and he is going to be interested in, Dad, what, what, do you make music? What, 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 you know, where is it? What, what? Hmm. To be able to just go, oh, fire in there, mate. You know, there it is. It's there. It's, the, it's, the, it's just in line with everything hmm. else that you listen to. It's there. It's time stamped. It's a record of whatever the fuck was going through our heads at that moment, you know. Yeah, I think as soon as you, as soon as you sort of take a strip away all the, um, the, the, the sort of, I need to get this to as many people, and I need to be making something out of this music. Pressure. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you strip all that away and don't try too hard to just to, to, you know, go down that road of turning into um, a pimp almost of your music. Mm. Um, the pressure's completely off, and whatever comes is. Is quite a a um, beautiful bonus, gift. really. You know, a gift, yeah. any, anything that comes through, that just just to follow, just a, a, some feedback, additional plays that just seem to crop up on some of those tracks, which I've noticed recently. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, anything like that is just oh, that's that's nice, that's nice, and and I'll take that, and I'll and that's that's all I need. Mm. I don't, you know, that's how I feel. Now, expectations Steve. have completely completely changed. And, you know, the whole kind of I need to be successful in music, music sort of um, story you tell yourself is all based on kind of reward and external, the external sort of um, attribution of success. Whereas really, if you're making music you think is at the level and 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 you've pushed yourself and and you've, You've got it to a place where you think that that is. I'm so proud of that. That's it. That's all that matters, isn't it? You know. So I love that. 
I love that. <coughs> that's, that's where I'm kind of at now with with the whole with the whole music game. It's a peaceful know? place, Steve. Isn't it? It's a it's nice very, place. Mm. It's a nice place, and you know, like I said, for me, when I when I kind of left Lost Souls in a, in a in a kind of micro way. I did get a feeling of this. I, I did find some peace in going, okay, yeah, that thing that, because I did tell myself the story of like, you know, because I didn't like my job and I bunked out of college and I kind of like, well, I'm going to do music. Mm. So there was a part of me that was like a hanging on to that, which is something that actually works opposites and pushes it away. But I did make some peace and thought, you know what, that's cool. It's cool. I'm proud of what we did mm. and whatever happens now. And then whatever did happen was this. It was like, fuck me. And then we got a record deal and then mm. we put music out and, mm. Yeah, then we learnt the next lessons that we've just discussed. And now, as we sit here now, it's been lovely to have you here tonight and chat and sort of cover this because we talk... Andronicrome gets mentioned a lot because obviously this podcast is me ranting and a lot of my story comes out, so it's probably put a few pieces together for people who, who do stick around. Where we are now and with what we've done and who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know, we, we'd be doing ourselves an injustice to not put those songs in that list. Mm. that we've done that we've finished that we've mixed you know so Fear and Loathing which is the next one which is beautiful because it's Fear and Loathing mm. and as you mentioned the name Andronicrome Hunter S. Thompson being an influence with that that scathing reality check on the music industry mm. not fucking child's blood <laughs> right absolutely not yeah oh. um, Fear and Loathing is a track that when I played it to some of my trusted friends, one of the uh, critiques or the, the sort of statements that came back was, wow, man, that's fucking cool. Yeah. That's like Nick Drake. Uh, sorry, that's like Nick Cave on Ease. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for a second, I had to think about it. I was like, and I thought, oh, I think I know what he's saying. Back to the language, aren't we? Mm. I think I know what he's saying there. It's like, it's got that kind of, there's a morose, there's some undertone of, yeah. There's something sombre in there, mm. Mm. but there's also this kind of, there is a euphoric yeah, <clears throat> pulling together somewhere in it as well. I think, yeah, that's a, that's a very good um, critique and, and observation by, by that person. Mm. Um, and, and that's where it, 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 to be fair, that's where it came from from me. It was, oh. there, was, there, was a bit of, um, there was a bit of angst in there, I think, a bit of darkness. Um, and I wanted to make something in my imagination when I closed my eyes I wanted something that imagine yourself in in the most underground and this is taking with probably this is probably my own personal experience playing into this is there was there was nights I used to go to <clears throat> back in sort of uh, 20 25 whenever years ago um, where I'd go to um, the most probably underground club you could imagine where there was dogs in there, you know. There were people. There was travellers. There was rock and there was rockers in there. Mm. There was people of all different, diverse cultures in there, um, almost sort of in this sweaty space, where you couldn't see the DJ. It didn't matter where. There, you weren't you weren't praying to a DJ. You know, they, they were they were off in some, you know, stinky corner behind a caminetting. It didn't matter. Yeah. But there was, and the lights were low, and, and all you could see was people's eyes, and there was this there was this kind of. Um, euphoric but yet um spiritual and i know that sounds quite hippie but there was that experience of, of, of spiritual togetherness mm. and, a, and a sort of experience you don't often get from day to day let's be yeah. fair yeah no, I agree. Uh, but there was also like an undercurrent of real energy massive amounts of energy coming from 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 not just from the music but from the surrounding environment so 
I wanted to try and put that into a track, basically. And um, you know, the the bass line is 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 kind of disco esque, I guess, um, even though it's a little bit more sinister. I uh, messaged you earlier, Aidan. Pull up that link. Um, Fear and loathing. It's just a thumbnail kind of single clip for it. If we can put that on, we'll finish with that. Yeah. So you you you. That's the vibe that's coming through you when you're writing it. You can feel that. Just something very very. Uh, yeah, just real underground and raw, and just really pulling you into a, a different world. Mm. And, and your vocal on that is just the icing on the cake because it's like uh, very gothic. Um, yeah, it's the first one of the first ones where I really took a, mm. a left turn off yes. Main Street for me. Mm. I like dropped the octaves real low. Mm. I just felt whatever that thing is that you're putting in it there, that because the way the bass, you know, that bass line's <clears throat> melodic, but it's got a yeah there's a there's a darkness to it mm. at the same time that there's a euphoria to it which is a lovely combination mm. and it did it drew me down into um yeah a place that i'd never been before and again you sort of start doing this thing oh, I don't know if I just go with this and doubt it and go, oh god that's that's not me though is that me is that me doing somebody else is that me doing nick cave I never even thought that but looking back am i just taking on something else but like whatever it was whatever comes out yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it might have been in the back of your mind, but it didn't come out to me like that. I mean, but I know where that that, that comes from, uh, the Nick Cave thing, and, and and I know when I heard it, I thought this is well, this this just suits. The, this is it because it's it's brought the whole for me. The in fact, it's enhanced. Well, I, I didn't think, I didn't expect that to come back. Mm. I thought if I heard this somewhere, this would be like that 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 moment in my mind, um, almost very tribal. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and there is actually, yeah. Uh, it's re- there is a, something dark and yeah, very um, just just real energy underneath it. You so know. when's this out, Steve? Seventh of May, twenty twenty one. Seventh of May is that a Monday? Friday. Friday. Friday the seventh of May. Yeah. So a couple of weeks time from the point of this recording. Um, this is Fear and Loathing by Andronicrome. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. That's a beast. It's a monster, isn't it? <laughs> it's a beast of a truck. It's a beast of a truck, mm. you know. And there's, um, for me anyway, I mean, <clears throat> in light of this conversation, you know, there's enough, you know, with the, t- the timeline that we've had with the music, you know, it's always the same. You come back and you listen, you know, and it'll either fucking pull your pants down, what were you thinking? Mm. Or you go, fucking hell, no, that's, I remember that's what that was all about. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a juggernaut. That. That's a juggernaut. Mm. So that's a, that's out on the seventh. Yes, seventh of May. Yeah, seventh of May. So I will mm. um, I will give that a shout and uh, we'll put that out there. Um, as I was sort of nodding away and dancing to that, I was just looking at this. Which uh, for people who can't see in the studio, we've got a framed Lost Souls poster from the Rug Cutter Boys. Ah, yes. Mr. Yeah. Sean Bowden gifted me that when he was in here recently. Bless him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, at this at this time as we talk, Sean's no longer with us, mm. which was a real shock. Um, and mm. I know you guys went way back, much mm. further than I. Mm. Um, so that was that was a real shame. Oh yeah, it's a it's a tragedy actually. Um, I've not seen Sean for probably oh, maybe four or five years, but um, we always. <coughs> we always kept in touch, you know, um, as you do through, you know, social media, Facebook and things. And he wasn't a big player in that, but he was always present. Um, I was always keeping track of what he was up to. Um, and, um, you know, funnily enough, last year, um, sort of August, September time, you know, he was trying to convince me to um, do an Andrenogram DJ set. Um, at one of his... No, actually, no, it was before... No, it was around this time last year. I think, um, mm. and it was a case of you know we're gonna we're gonna do a a night. Um, can't remember where it was to be honest. He had a few things lined up, as you know from when they were here. Um, yeah, the ultrasound guys, yeah. And Sean and well, there was there Jackie. was sort of back and forth about you know, do you want to do a live set or or DJ? And I said, well, I think probably you know for your night, I think a DJ set probably worked better. But I haven't done it for. I'm stepping back 20 years. I, I don't think I'm up for this, <laughs> to be honest. I was working with vinyl then, and then I'm, all, all that's gone. You know? and, and even then, I, I sort of knew I'd, I'd sort of... When Sean was on... You know, I would hand over to Sean and say, just just take over, because I can't do this anymore. He was the guy who would, just wherever he was, would just recover and, and just, just you know, um, Keep deliver. it together, yeah. Yeah, he would mm. deliver every time, 100%. Just a natural-born talent. And... Um, so, you know, when, when he asked me, I, I was on an hour and about it. He knows I'm like this. He, he knew I was always a bit of a, you know... Um, I wouldn't say he was always kind of complaining at me that I wasn't committed enough sometimes. He's, lazy, when, when he came, Well, you probably saw the podcast, Steve, you know. he, he When Rabs came up, he was like, fuck, man, what a talented lad. <laughs> oh, bless him. And, you know, oh, he said sweet. the same. He says, you know, he just fucking... Get him to believe how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's lovely to hear. Mm. Um I, I remember, I do remember. Um, I did put this on on their the what's their what's their site called now? Um, they do a night called um, oh, on the my house your house thing on the platform. Yeah, they, they've got their own Facebook page called um, it's not called ultrasound. Cover, ultrasound. Yeah. I, I did put a tribute on on there just to say that. Um, I remember sort of Sean somewhere in Nottingham we we'd gone to do a house party. It was on the top floor of a student house, and and Sean was with me, um, just stood next to me, and I was DJing. And I was starting to think, I can't do this anymore. I'm, you know, I'm losing it. I'm, 
it's it's not happening. And and Sean just saying, can I have a go? Because <clears throat> I think I'd like to, you know, start um, doing a bit more DJing. I said, yeah, fill your boots, because I've had enough. I didn't know what, you know, didn't know anything about how good he was or whether he'd done any, you know, done, done any sort of DJing before. And, and he just um, stepped into it like a hand in glove, you know. Mm. Um, and that was it. And and it was just kind of like you knew he was just solid. He was del- he would deliver every single time. Um, mm. And his taste in music was was quite sublime. He, he, he just put things together um, and it was effortless, to be honest. Um, every time as well, you know, there was no inconsistency. It was always you knew when Sean was was playing, mm. and, and he knew his selection was was going to be well thought out, and and you know, and it was it was part of him. Um, so bless him, um, mm. and you know, I will miss him. I really, really miss him because I was I was almost convincing myself. I mean, he almost had me going to Nottingham, buying um, you know some CDJs. Really. You know, I was, I was that far committed. So that what, what a nod that is, though, because yeah. he knows that that's in you and trust enough and belief enough and all the things we've kind of covered tonight, that language, that feeling when you feel comfortable yeah. with somebody, when somebody can instill the ability or the belief in yourself to go, actually, I have got something to get out and you have twisted my arm or you've made me see or you've helped me get past whatever the obstacle or, you know, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's such yes. a shame, man. It's it such is, a shame. yeah, it is. I was absolutely floored when I heard about it. It just came from nowhere, um, you know, mm. and I spoke to a few of his friends who were, you know, much much kind of closer to him recently than I, I was. But, mm. it, you know, it doesn't, it's not a pissing competition. It was just, you know, we do go back a long way and, um, you know, he was, um, was a very quiet sort of methodical um Maybe a little bit trouble guy, but you know that was when he was younger. But whatever he, whenever he applied himself, he was absolutely one hundred percent focused. He said it himself on this podcast, you know, when we did it with with Jackie and him, just only a matter of weeks ago, which was mad, you know. He uh, and what what was cool for me, I knew we were going. to... I mean, I know Sean peripherally. I mean, I'm a bit younger than your generation, you guys, and so I kind of, I just knew more from the promoting side and going to rug cut. I was always spangled and just kind of. Oh you know, didn't really know of his wisdom and his, his connecting abilities and his respect and his uh, yeah. prowess in in the, <clears throat> the in the Lincoln and Nottinghamshire, mm, uh, you know, mm, regional, mm. you know. Yeah. Like. yeah. And what I, what I found to be really insightful when we were chatting was like when we talked about, you know, parenting. Because for me, being a parent now, you know, I, I tend to take a lot from people's perspectives on how they see the world when they're a parent and a lot of things Sean said really chimed with me like the way he sees the world the way he's integrated his kids into the world the way he he brings brought his children up you know I thought wow you know there's he's, this this guy's a dude you know he, he knows yeah. his stuff and he's he's as for all those troubles which he touched on you know early life you know had some troubles and traumas that never left him that mm. he struggled with you know yeah, it's a damn fucking shame. But as many people have commented to me, you know, so pleased that w- that podcast exists, you know. I watched it all in, the way through and it was quite difficult to watch, actually. Mm. I, I did get emotional. Um, especially when he touched on things um, about his, you know, younger life. And, and um, you know, I know his brother as well, his older brother, Mikey, and, and I hope he's okay as well. I'm mm. sure he's going through the, a tough, really tough time. 
Um, mm. But um, what I always loved about Sean was uh, there was never any um, other motive from Sean other than he loved what he did. There was no nothing to be gained. There was no um, agenda with Sean. He was just, like you said, he was a dude. He was just a really cool, um, focused, very knowledgeable, um, underrated um, human being. Um, I think people who knew Sean wouldn't say he's underrated because everyone knows. Yeah, because you, you're aware he, yeah. of who he is. Yeah, but but he, he, you know, he was the sort of talent, uh, you know, in that particular... Um, um, he loved music. Arena, that, yeah, that, who, that comes through, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, who could have been, you know, he's as good as anyone else out there and, and probably better. And But he's not interested in that. He was just, you know, he was in it for, because mm. in it for the love, you mm. know, live it like you love it and all that sort of stuff. And mm. Um, mm. that's what he did. Mm. And uh, Well, God bless to Sean and yeah, to family absolutely. and, you know, we'll, we'll nod to him, you know, it's a... Uh, it's life, man. Life comes and it goes and it reminds us this crazy journey. Mm. This it crazy does. journey, man. It does. Listen, Steve, it's been it's amazing been to have you in here tonight. I really My appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's been uh, lovely to catch up. It's been lovely to document that kind of timeline. It's been a long one tonight and I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> me Ace. too, yeah. It's been very, very, um, very therapeutic, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Especially yeah. now in this climate. It's yeah, lovely just, to just sit and talk and, yeah, and just yeah. let it go. Absolutely right. Perfect. Thank you so much, Steve. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Peace. Thank you for listening to Chew the Chat podcast. Thank you for listening to Chew the Cat podcast. Chew the Cat. I, I want to say my own words. Go on then. Very angry. And there you go, a long one, chatting music. It was lovely to catch up with Steve. Yeah, really enjoyed that. And um, I learned a few things in there as well. He's such a talented dude. And if you are interested in Steve's music, obviously follow Adrenochrome, you can grab them, Spotify, wherever, Blackhawk that we covered. Yeah, he's done some wonderful stuff, writes some great stuff. And he's just a classy, class act. He's just a classy dude, you know, he really is. Um, never really a negative guy, just a, smooth operator so thank you to steve appreciate that thank you to our sponsors who i like i said in the beginning in the intro i have got to hit them up because i've got this injury and i've actually got <clears throat> should the world stay in any kind of sane position of actually carrying on with itself i'm supposed to be running up mount snowden this year um some of the guys i train with in my village we threw it out there last year there's a there's a thing called man versus mountain um, 22 miles, swim, hike, climb, run for 22 miles up and around Snowden. <clears throat> so <laughs> I've got some work to do. Uh, but you can follow me on Strava. So I've said this a few times before. We've had a couple of messages. Um, yeah, Strava, if you search, uh, I think it's Chew the Chat podcast or Sam Souls, one of the two. I'm on there. Howard T, producer Aiden, he's on there. You can follow us on there. Say hello. All the fitness stuff is happening there pretty much. And um, yeah, we've got to be training. We've got to get that training on for running them hills. So I'm going to get in the cryo. I'm going to get on the float and uh, try and rehabilitate my leg and uh, speed up my, my process. So code word shoot and you can see those those guys. Go deepflotation.com and linkandcryolab.co.uk. Okay, next week I'm excited. It's a deep and a 
difficult episode. By all accounts, we got John Wedger in in the uh, studio, and uh, yeah, we did three hours, and it was um, it was heavy, man. John was uh, twenty seven years serving police officer, Scotland Yard detective. Specialised ultimately in the end uh, in in vice in child prostitution, uh, which led him to exposing a hell of a lot of corruption with uh, the care system and the police and the judiciary system with regards to children, paedophilia and abuse and basically profiteering from children. And it's deep and it's dark. I've seen I've seen a lot of John in various podcasts over the years. Sean Atwood being the main one. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have as well. And this was interesting because I went at him from a slightly different angle, as we often do from these podcasts. And half towards the back end, probably the back hour, um, John brought on a friend of his, Alan Merritt, who is a survivor of the Beach Home. Uh, there's a documentary made about Beach Home uh, Care Home. I think he was in there in the 70s, I want to say notorious place uh, and Alan came on and gave a, a pretty harrowing account of his life and he works with John who now goes around the country and Europe campaigning trying to bring the judicial system and the law around child exploitation to the fore um, but it's a difficult one as you found out in this podcast because it is so deeply woven into the higher echelons of our society so yeah, it was a deep and it was a dark one, but it's an important one, especially if you've got kids, if you're ever going to have kids, if you work with kids, you know, if you give a shit about kids and you really fucking should because your kids, by which I mean the children of our generations, they're the future, man. And if you want to fucking lock your door and feel safe at night, you need to you need to do a good job with the kids. It really is that simple. So um, yeah, tune in for that. In the meantime, I'm going back in the house. I'm halfway down this this Guinness Porter now which is just beautiful it's bank holiday tomorrow i'm doing a podcast tomorrow i've got a really interesting one tomorrow with um kieran proverbs who was uh he was an ex-crib uk crip um and he's doing great work and he's a musician and we're going to talk music and rap and the whole culture of leaving a gang um yeah and trying to get on the right track so that, that'll be interesting tomorrow as well as see my wife and crack on making tunes with the kids and just living our best life which is uh cut off funnily enough, from all the fucking noise, cut off from the telly, cut off from the tabloids, cut off from the radio, the billboards, the adverts, the fucking incessant telling you what's going on, telling you what you think, telling you what you should say. Um, Yeah, I've had lots and lots and lots of really positive messages through generally Instagram and YouTube, and we really appreciate that. I've seen some lovely... um, reviews as well on itunes so if you guys are listening to this on itunes if you're new to the podcast and you've joined recently maybe in the aftermath of sean atwood or whatever it might be someone's passed us on to you i'd be super grateful if you could take a second just to drop in that review section and hit the stars whatever you think just good bad ugly whatever just say something to help other people like you maybe find this podcast this little gang this little family and join um and yeah it really does help the algorithm which fucking hates us you know the algorithm on on youtube is just yeah just is not playing ball with us we say all the wrong things to all the wrong kind of people in all the wrong ways and uh yeah we're not getting any traction from them they have put us bang in this cellar of shadows but we're not gonna we're not gonna bend from you know we carry on we we do what we do that's what this thing's about it's just about chat we maintain we're not here to be right we're not here to um 
to do anything other than have real talk like you do anywhere. Once upon a time, you used to sit in the pub with your friends or in a restaurant or in a coffee shop or down in the football changing rooms or wherever it was, and you just talk about your experience. How are you feeling? What do you think? What do you think about this? How do you feel about that? Where do you, and this is going. That's all we're doing. Um, YouTube, 8 o'clock on a Friday. If you're new to the podcast and you're listening in audio, you can see these in video. They launch on a Friday night. The episodes that, you, that come out on a Monday to you guys in audio, they're on a Friday premiere minus the intro and outro from me um, and the studio and the studio is there for you to join us have a beer, slot in like you're going around to see a friend having a glass of wine, a beer, a smoke a fag, or whatever it is you do and sit in with us and drop us a drop us a chat in the live chat, that's cool on the premieres you know that live chat's popping and people are chatting away to each other and getting involved with the conversation, it's really cool and the last thing I must say because I get told off by uh, 40 miles west and Aiden. Chewthechat.com. Head over to chewthechat.com. We are up and running with our our website proper now. We've got who's this? I think that's my children trying to get in the studio. Yeah, chewthechat.com. We're up and running. There's a new blog out, The Heartbreak of Children Growing Up, which I wrote recently about my little boy, amongst other things, one of the things that happened is he fell head first out of a tree onto his head and uh, we were worried that he might have broken his neck and uh, all the thoughts and processes that led on to because my dad broke his neck many years ago, which one day you'll find out all about because we're doing like legacy podcasts with my dad and we've gone right back to the 1800s and the legacy of the family and we're working on those. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a mad time watching him do that and I blogged about it. That's on there. That's the latest blog on there. We've got our little merch shop on there. So if you do want to support the podcast, um, you can. You can jump on there, grab a mug, grab a t-shirt, grab a hoodie, whatever, say hello. But the best thing you can do is just share this podcast with a friend, somebody who you think will, will um, enjoy it, benefit from it, take something from it, maybe give something to it in the way of guests or whatever. Yeah, just take the vibe and pass it on. Listen, I love you. You know that. Take care of yourselves and don't let them get you. Peace.